exciting episode of the Fire and Water podcast, the official podcast of AquamanShrine.net and FirestormFan.com. I'm one of your hosts, the Irredeemable Shag from Firestorm Fan. Along with me, as always, is my co-host, first responder Rob Kelly from Aquaman Shrine. How you doing, buddy? Now, who are you again? I am the Irredeemable Shag. Nice to meet you. <laughs> nice to have you back. It is nice to be back. I have uh, successfully, you know secure the country uh for another couple of weeks i'm back on the road next week actually to be honest i'm back on the road um in a few hours but uh, <laughs> they won't know that i'll be i'll be almost home by the time they hear this. in fact you know what now i think about this by the time the folks at home hear this i will hopefully be nursing a wretched wretched hangover um because i'm going to dragon con so excited i heard it described the other day by um I can never remember her name. Chloe. I can't say her last name. She's Chris Hartwig's girlfriend. Uh, she described it as... Dykstra. Isn't it Chloe Dykstra? Something like that. I just can't say. she's yeah. like the daughter of the guy that did the Star Wars special effects or something. Really? Yeah. I think I so. I didn't know that. Yeah, I think so. Well, there you go. Uh, runs in the family. Coolness. So anyway, she described uh, Dragon Con as the Mardi Gras of geek conventions. <laughs> so um, it's pretty true. So I'm hoping when everyone hears this on Sunday, Monday, I am going to be in a world hurt. So, if all goes well. In fact, a lot of our listeners are going to be there. Um, John Godwin's going to be there. Uh, Darren and Ruth uh, Sutherland's are going to be there. Um, Tom Zoller's going to be there. A few other folks, too. So, pretty exciting stuff. Can't wait. In the meantime, I'm working on my Where in the World is the Redeemable Shag learning app, which will be available on the feed. It's going to help you spell, learn countries. It's going to be fantastic. I did hit something like, what, 10 cities last month? Crazy. It was absolutely so, yeah. crazy. I'm a little tired. But I am glad to be back here. Thank you, everyone, who filled in. Uh, thank you to uh, Chris for doing another Awesome Power Records episode. Thank you to um, – what Bri- was the gentleman? Brian Museum? Heiler. Brian Heiler. From oh, that Mego Museum. Museum. Yeah. That Mego Museum episode was so good. I was like, man, they don't even need me anymore. Uh, that was exactly what I was going for, ultimately. 
Perfect. Well, I, I started listening to Plaid Stallions now, too. It's a good podcast. I love that show. It's really good. <laughs> they did a Doctor Who episode. Did you listen to that one? Yes, I did. Whoa! I listen to every, listen to every episode of that show. I love that show. Crazy. Crazy. All right, folks. Well, we have a lot to talk about because, folks, this is episode number 99. How exciting is that? I, in fact, I, to celebrate, I am sitting here in my office, um, surrounded by ninety-nine luft balloons. There, it's, it's a, it's a jam packer. If you hear squeaking, that's them rubbing together. Nothing else. Um, so next week is it episode one hundred? Yes, next week. <laughs> that's, well, how that, just, that's how that works. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was trying to remember if we had another filler for a second there. I blanked. <laughs> so yeah, so folks, uh, episode one hundred comes out. Uh, it will hit the airwaves on Sunday, September 7th. Correct. Right? Correct. Three years to the day from episode number one. Amazing, isn't it? It's awesome. It's like we what planned a great it. Way, what a great way to celebrate three years of the podcast, of, of being together, of uh, you know the incredible community of folks that we put together. Now, that we put together, that's built up around it, I should say, that, uh, that have just become friends and, and communicate together. It's just incredible. I'm so excited. In fact, this episode is a celebration of the community surrounding the Fire and Water podcast because this is all your feedback, folks. We've got your emails. We've got your Facebook messages. We've got your iTunes reviews. We've got your comments. We've got Twitter. we got everything. We've got Snapchat pictures. It's, it's everything. <laughs> I wish Luke Dobb would stop sending those. <laughs> it's, it's all just his hair and, and his dog. It's just very strange. So. He's a ridiculously handsome man. It's true. <laughs> it was dangerously talented. Uh, what is it? Dastardly creative? Yeah, it's annoyingly talented. It is annoyingly talented. So, But first, before we do all that, folks, we need to take a moment to thank our sponsors. Folks, this episode of the Fire & Water Podcast is sponsored in part by InStockTrades.com. InStockTrades.com is your best online source for trades, hardcovers, and other collected editions, all for up to 42% off with free shipping for orders of $50 or more. What you got, Rob? Uh, my pal, Corey Drew, uh, more of a, a nuclear sub and known on Twitter as C. Drizzle, uh, bar, uh, lent me his copy of Sean Howe's Marvel Comics, The Untold Story. He could not say more enough about it. He knew I would want to read it, so he gave it to me. I've read little excerpts of it online, and I, it was just one of those books I'm like, I got to read this. I just never got around to it, so now I have it. It's sitting on my nightstand. I can't wait to get to it. And in fact, if I was not staying up late tonight recording this, I would be reading it right now. So that's the sacrifice <laughs> I'm making for you folks. But anyway, it's on sale on Instock Trades. It's 496 pages. Everyone knows what it is. It's the untold story of Marvel Comics, all the crazy stuff that went on in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Amazing stuff. Uh, the normal price is $15.99. Instock Trades price is $11.99. That's 25% off. Uh, if you are a, history, a fan of uh, the history of comics, you, you can't go wrong with this book. So give it a shot. Marvel Comics, The Untold Story by Sean Howe. Wait a minute. Hold on back up. How, what, what's normal retail price? Fifteen ninety nine. Oh, I thought you said $50.99. Okay. That's, I was like, that's more than 25% off. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> uh, my choice this week is Legion Lost Hardcover. This is a story about the Legion of Superheroes. This, this is from, I don't know, like the mid-2000s. This is not, not to be confused with the new 52 Legion Lost. This is the first one iteration. It was a 12-issue miniseries. Uh, writers Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning, you know those two guys are going to knock it out of the park. They're amazing writers. You got artists, I can never say this guy's name, but Olivier Copil. Did I say it? Uh, I, I guess so. 
Okay. Amazing artist. 296 pages, full color. Again, it was a 12-issue miniseries. Basically, it's sort of the legions lost in space. You know, they're on the other side of the galaxy. There's a group of them. They're trying to find their way. And it was a really great story. Uh, I'll explain why in a minute, why this is my selection. But uh, normally, it's a hardcover. Normally retails for $39.99. You can get it for 42% off right now. So you only pay $23.19. And folks, you will not regret it. If you've never read an Abnett and Lanning comic book, you don't know what you're missing. These guys are the sci-fi pros. They do know how to do super teams in space. And they Guardians of the proven. Galaxy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. They bunch of Warhammer books. I mean, they uh, Warhammer 40K. I mean, these guys, they know their stuff. Really good stuff. So, again, be sure to visit In Stock Trades, your best online source for trades, hardcovers, and other collected editions, all for up to 42% off, with free shipping for orders of $50 or more. Now, the reason I mentioned Legion Lost is because I have an announcement to make for those of you who have not been paying attention on the social medias. Starting, um, well, if you hear this on Sunday... Uh, the day it goes live, tomorrow, which would be Monday, September 1st, which is Labor Day, uh, there is a brand new blog having its grand opening, and that blog is called the Legion of Super Bloggers. That's right. Uh, my machinations on a recent Who's Who episode where I guilted everyone for there not being a Legion blog paid off. Now there is a Legion blog, and it's going to be run by a bunch of matchheads and nuclear subs and aquanauts, believe it or not. It is uh, the culmination well, – not culmination, it's a combination of seven different folks. You're going to know all these names, I'm telling you, all right? You got little Russell Burbage, who does his own Friends of Justice blog, and he does the Aquaman Aqualad Facebook group, and he helps out Aquaman Shrine. You've got um, – Siskoid of Siskoid's Blog of Geekery and the Hero Points Podcast. You've got Tim Wallace from Cord Industries and also helping out over on Firestorm Fan. You've got uh, J. David Weeder, who has done a million podcasts, including one of my favorites, uh, Dave's Daredevil Podcast. You've got Kyle Benning, who wrote for the Outside, uh, was it the Outhousers, I think it was, or Outs, what is the, oh, geez, I should have this right in front of me. Um, you know, he did a bunch of, he did comic reviews. Um, then you've got Ange, who does the Supergirl blog, and myself, I'm part of the group too, doing Firestorm Fan and this. I mean, a bunch of folks that you know do a bunch of quality stuff. I started thinking about this. We are the traveling Wilburys of the walking <laughs> sphere. I was not expecting that reference. I didn't think you were. <laughs> or you could call us the damn Yankees if you're if you no, that route No, <laughs> let's stick with the traveling Wilburys, please. So uh, we're really excited about it, folks. You can find it at legionofsuperbloggers.blogspot.com. We're out on Facebook. We're out on Twitter. We're on Google+. We're having a blast with it. You, you know, since I'm part of it, you know there's going to be all kinds of who's hot thing going on. In fact, we've got a whole category of hot posts of hot legionnaires, and we're going to be uh, we're going to try and be as fair as possible. We're going to be having hot guys and hot girls. We're you know full service uh, legion blog, and uh, we're just thrilled to be doing this. We're having so much fun with it. So now, can I point out that the nifty uh, graphic that appears on the blog, featuring all the little headshots of the legion members, was made by me. Can no, you may not. Point that okay, out. and can I also point out that when Russell gave me the list of Legion members, it was me who pointed out that he was missing one from his list. It was Tyrock. It was Tyrock. I was like, it "Doesn't Tyrock <laughs> belong in this list?" So I'm just saying. So, all right. and 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 I will be contributing to this blog. What? Yes, in 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 prose form. What? Yes, Russell asked me. I'm not going to say what, but he asked me to contribute, and I oh, I agreed to. Oh. You're doing why, why I hate the Legion or something? <laughs> 
Oh crap! You know, I actually got asked by uh, there's another there's a there's a Legion podcast called the Legion of Substitute Podcasters, and one of the guys listens to our Who's Who stuff, and uh, I was telling him about the blog, and he's like, I have it on good authority that one of your guys hates the Legion. I did no, he does not have that on good authority. The question has come up: Why do you hate the Legion with I a passion without burning I suns? I don't. I don't. It just became a joke, just sort of like with composite Superman, like you know. I don't yeah. think I don't think I don't think either of us hate composite Superman to the point of of, of now it's become a legend and we really don't deserve it. We don't hate him that much. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's just his his origin makes no sense. No. <laughs> so, all right, folks. So check, please check it out. Legion of Superbloggers. Dot uh, blogspot. Dot com. It is your home for all Legion goodness, and I couldn't be uh, more proud to be part of it. So I'm, I'm just a small part in it. Russell sort of, uh, we, we've, we actually had an election, because in, in great Legion tradition, they always have elections. We actually had an election, and, and uh, Russell got elected editor-in-chief. So he, I, I see him as our fearless leader. So. And he has to wear the Dream Girl costume while he's... In- <laughs> Thank God it's not a video <laughs> conference when we have conference calls. So. <laughs> all right, well... Um, is that all? Is that all the business before we get rolling? I got my comfy pants on. I'm ready to go. You know, I guess I should mention this because I don't know what the hell. I mean, it's I'm not I'm not I haven't mentioned it on the shrine, but I also mentioned it extensively on my Facebook page, which means a lot of you listening already know about it. So I'm also just bring it up. Um, as everyone knows, there is a uh, Aquaman centric Warner Brothers movie coming out, animated movie coming out next year called Justice League: Throne of Atlantis. And last week, uh, I was contacted by Warner Brothers uh, about a bonus feature that they're doing about Aquaman's villains. And they, appear, they uh, asked me to appear on camera in the documentary talking about Aquaman's villains. Wait a minute. And, I didn't know it was about the villains. Yes, it's about the villains. That specifically said it's about the villains. Are they bringing you on to talk about the human flying fish? I believe they – I hope so. And okay. uh, Blackjack from the 40s. So they asked <laughs> me to appear on camera, and of course I said, yeah, I would love to. Uh, the only trick was it was in Los Angeles, and uh, that was complicated to, to pull off for a number of reasons. Uh, but I said, yeah, I'm available. Will you guys like pay my flight out? And before – that got answered. There became this whole debate on Facebook about whether Warner Brothers should pay for it, whether I should go anyway, da-da-da. Anyway, it pretty much got solved in that I was told by the crew that they are going to have to come to New York anyway to shoot some segments with some other people. And they said they knew I was in New Jersey, and they said, well, can you just come to New York and do it there? And I said, of course. Just give me a day, and I will be there. So um, at some point, and supposedly in the next couple of weeks, I will be going to New York and appearing on camera for this documentary, which means I will be on the Throne of Atlantis DVD, <laughs> presumably. Then I'll get cut or something. But uh, so it's a very nice honor. It's very you know after eight years of doing the shrine, it's kind of amazing that I feel like we're being taken notice of in this form. So uh, I was obviously already very excited about the movie. Going to be buying it, and now you know, geez, it's going to be weird to see me, <laughs> my stupid giant head. On this thing, but uh, but hopefully, uh, hopefully I'll be on it. It'll be a lot of fun. I think it's awesome, dude. I think it's absolutely fantastic. I mean, it's obvious if someone's looking for an Aquaman expert, you're the guy to go to. So, I, congratulations, my friend. Thank you. Well, I said I, did, I don't deserve it yet because I haven't done anything. But uh, but yeah, it was it's a an, it was a, it's an honor just to be asked. It was. It was very nice. It was very very nice. So cool. Yeah. I look forward to them doing a Firestorm DVD someday. Okay. 
It's my, my little cry for help. Oh, and so. by the way, in the last episode that we recorded together back in 1988, uh, mm-hmm. you t- sort of lorded it over me that Firestorm was going to be getting extensive appearances in Flash while Aquaman was just going to get basically one little appearance in Superman v. Batman, the dawn of the planet of the justice. And it turns out the news has broken since we recorded last that Aquaman is getting his own movie, his full-on solo movie. So there, Yeah, but it's just that. like – Hour and a half of screen time. That's all. Yeah, well, that's get. it. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I I heard my dad called me about that. He's like, "Have you heard about this?" <laughs> I actually hadn't heard much about it because I've been out of pocket. I'm like, "Well, I heard they're doing something," and I guess they've hired two different like writing teams, like du- dueling banjos. Yeah, that's apparently a standard thing in Hollywood. It's uh, the creativity just runs like molasses over there. But uh, uh, yeah, apparently they're going to write t- two different scripts, and then I guess stitch them together or i don't know how they're doing it but apparently that's a, a standard thing with blockbusters nowadays so well it's a good idea in this case i mean because aquaman's i mean it's gonna be a tricky property to pull off it's not to say it can't be done but it's gonna be a tricky property just due to the fact that a lot of people like to make fun of it and you know how do you balance all of it just right so yep, yep. i think it's clever it is, it is gonna be an amazing thing to know that in several years it's gonna be a full-on aquaman movie that is crazy that's crazy. Insane. Yep. So, I, I, I know I say this every episode, every episode, but think about think about where we were. Well, I guess three years ago when we started, we both the, the new Fifty Two was about to start. Yeah. But when we started the blogs, yes. Again, yeah. The characters were dead. Yep. <laughs> yep. So anyway, all right. Uh, we're somewhat thirty minutes into this. Yeah, let's get to the feedback. That's why so everybody's I, here to hear their names. Just, just to, just to preempt this. Uh, hey Frank, I don't need a message saying you know forty two minutes into the show and you haven't read the first bit of feedback. I don't need that this time. Okay, just saying. They should Put just be up. happy we're both back here in the same time. I well or unhappy, whatever that may be. So, um, all right, folks. Again, episode ninety nine. This is the run up to one hundred, and this is all about you or about us, whichever way you want to look at it. Uh, first things first. We did get an iTunes review. Yay! Our thank you to Rizope. Uh, he said his subject line is nuke the flounder. What a great podcast this is. Robin Shag clearly pout, spout their perspective, love of Firestorm and Aquaman and comics in general in each and every show. From the review shows to the who's who coverage to the audio commentary ones, this show is great, even though it pairs the greatest comic book hero in the known universe with that guy that talks to fish. Now, nah, Aquaman's pretty cool to, to even though he smells like fish. I did not write this. I promise you. <laughs> you don't need your pity, Rizope. <laughs> Thank you for that. Now, folks, uh, took a look at it today. We have a total of 74 ratings on iTunes, which is fantastic. Almost all exclusively five-star ratings. We appreciate that. And we have 58 customer reviews, as they call them, which are basically text-based reviews. You know what? I'm going to put it out there. Folks, if you haven't done an iTunes review, would you please consider doing it? I want to see this number over the next coming weeks to grow to maybe 75. I would love to. <laughs> it would. Well, here's why. Because a lot of you were awesome and gave us reviews early out, and it was really helpful for the show. Well, unfortunately, I don't think you can write a second review. I don't think. So we haven't gotten that many in a long, long time. So if we could get some reviews from the folks who haven't done them, that would help build the, the, the awareness of the show. That's all. And bring more people to it so we can all continue to build this uh, community, you know? So Absolutely. Also, next up, um, one of the things we did in a previous episode is I asked everybody to pimp themselves. I wanted everyone who's part of the Fire and Water community to 
tell us what they do online so we can mention it on the show so you all can go visit each other's uh, wares and what you do and, and products and blogs and podcasts, etc. So as we read out uh, these names this episode, we're, we're going to be acknowledging where you can find more stuff from that person. First up is Mark Baker Wright. He does a blog called Transforming Seminarian where he actually – check this out. He works in a seminary and he writes about Transformer toys. How cool is that? <laughs> That's a renaissance man. It's a very unusual pairing. Now, Mark has been a longtime Firestorm fan, and uh, it's great to see he's uh, checking this out. He says, I'm a bit late to the party, but just got done listening to this episode, my first, actually, just in time to see that uh, the next episode's up. All in all, I'm very impressed. Your collective delivery style is far more polished than most fan, padca- fan podcasts I've heard lately. I'm familiar with quite a few in the Transformers fandom, but admittedly quite a bit less elsewhere. I did have to laugh, however, when the issue of the pronunciation of MODOK came up. Well, I agree with Modoc pronunciation. One of my pet peeves was being hit consistently throughout the rest of the episode. The word nuclear is pronounced nuclear, not nuclear. Or nu- nucle- nu- the way I say it wrong, folks, is what he's saying. I say nuclear wrong. It's supposed to be nuclear, nuclear, whatever. Um, Mark, welcome to the podcast, my friend. That's what that boils down to is I am broken inside. I run a Firestorm blog, and I cannot pronounce that word. It's ridiculous. So I, I can only apologize for that. So, All right. Yeah, I mean, I totally got Modoc, Modoc wrong, but in my – Yeah, you did. In, I admit that. But in my defense, that is not a word that you hear someone else say really much in life. So you don't know that you're getting it wrong. You know, it's not like Modoc really comes up much in regular life. So, you know, to my Modoc, you mean? Yeah. Modoc, whatever you want to say. It's the grade school playground for me, buddy. Yeah. Well, I I didn't have that. None of my friends collect the comic. Every, every time you tell some story about your childhood battles about who was cooler, Mantis or Desaad, I'm like, I can't relate to what the hell you're talking about because none of my friends were interested in that crap at all. So You know, I make all that shit up, right? <laughs> it sounds convincing. So I was, I, I was, I, I've told you before how I got into comics, right? Yeah, it was peer pr- peer pressure. I didn't know who Galactus was. Somebody made fun of me. That is amazing. That is am- That it's, it's like a Norman Rockwell life. Just, well, it, thank goodness he didn't be like, hey, you don't know what it's like to high to be on meth. <laughs> Think how my life would have turned out then. Uh, we got an email from. I'm just, I'm just moving forward. We got an email from Buck Rowlett. Regarding episode 89, the Futures End Aquaman Backups. Hey, Robin Chag, I know I'm not alone in this, but I love to hear my name or screen name called out on the podcast, Buck Rowlett. Thanks for doing that, Buck <laughs> Rowlett. The shows have been continually fun to listen to, and I always look forward to the next episode. Since I, Buck Rowlett, have caught up a few months back, I get bummed that I can't just listen to the next episode as soon as I finish one. Now I have to wait days to hear a new show. Thanks for giving me another Rowlett to share my love of comics. You guys are the best. Buck Rowlett, Semper Fi, Buck Rowlett. <laughs> now, to be fair, Buck did not really write it that way at all. <laughs> Buck's a great guy. I, I, I can't remember whether we met Buck on Twitter or um, Instagram, but he's been a great supporter of the show. So. Buck Rowlett. And what, he, what, he's ta- <laughs> what he's talking about is a few episodes back, um, I, when I said about listener feedback, somebody had, com- had sort of made a comment about how when we read the long list of names from Facebook and stuff like that, uh, how they said, well, you know, that, that's not necessarily really productive, but I was explaining, you know what, for some people, that's the only time they hear their name on the show. So I want to make sure they get mentioned. Uh, I so. get thrilled when I hear my name mentioned on any of the numerous podcasts that I write angry missives to. So, you know, I understand why people want to hear it. 
Dear Mr. Rob Kelly, please stop sending us anthrax laced lace letters. <laughs> if my demands are not met, the smell of burning flesh will fill the air. No, no. <laughs> we heard from Derek um hmm, ba- Bark? I think it's Burke. Burke, is it? Okay, Derek that, Burke. That H is just unnecessary. Gotcha. Uh, funny, write him a note. Uh, we did an episode. You know of, who doesn't uh, have an unnecessary H in his name? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, please. Fuck <laughs> <Paul> L.A. <laughs> oh, getting punchy. It's only the third letter. It's going to be a long show. So we heard from Derek Burke, and uh, we asked for suggestions for the name of our backup strips. We were gonna we're gonna do a series from time to time where we do the the short backups from Aquaman and Firestorm, and we may progress further into other backup strips. But um, we needed a name for it. He gave a suggestion of the Backup Comics Showcase. So thank you for that, Derek. We heard from Mark Sweeney. He wrote in on the summertime vacation crossover uh, episode. So regarding Legends, I reread this within the last couple years, and I have to say, despite my liking the overall plot and gorgeous Burn Castle artwork, the six-issue miniseries is hard to read. Now, now, by the way, we're—I have to say—we're cherry picking what we read here. By the way, um, should have mentioned that from the start. I have collected all the feedback from the last ten episodes because uh, that's the last time we did feedback, and put it in a Word document. <laughs> I used a particular font called Arrow or Arial Narrow to make it as small as possible. Folks, this document is 54 pages long, okay? I kid you not. So as we read stuff, we're going to be skipping a whole bunch, but we're going to at least get everybody's name out there, and we're going to read some piece of their letter. So if we didn't read the piece that you wrote, forgive me. You know, Michael Bailey always tells me that whenever he writes something, we read the one thing he didn't care about in the letter. <laughs> we skip the stuff he cared about. So we're, that's our, we're aiming to succeed in that goal tonight. So The only font that is smaller that could be used is called Plankton. So, <laughs> so Mark Sweeney actually commented on a lot of different crossovers. So I picked a few of them. So that's his Legends commentary. He talks a little more about it. Uh, he talks about Millennium. He says, never read um, about much love for this event, meaning not many people like Millennium. But I kind of like it. Apparently it's a sickness. Uh, he says, I really appreciate the scope of the series with a legit cosmic threat, but also having some nice character moments as the threat became quite personal to many of the heroes. All right, I ha- this is Shag. I have to say... That is the smartest commentary I've ever heard on Millennium, on how it's a cosmic-level event, and yet DC tried to make it personal to people. Now, my opinion, it didn't pay off, but that's a, I never really thought about it in that, in that context, so well done. All right. Um, then jumping forward, he talks about Final Night. He says, awesome. Best art of all the events to date, I'd say. Genesis left me cold, kind of a stinker. DC 1 million I thought was a pretty great story, wildly imaginative, though the art wasn't my favorite. Uh, then he goes on to talk about something we've talked about before, which is how when you're a kid, how you can read half of a story, meaning like one part of a two-part story, and be completely satisfied. And he says, something I come to find strange, however, is satisfying, is how you can read only half a story. This would happen with lots of various issues of All-Star Squadron. I'd find it whichever story I happened to be in. The covers to that title were always so striking. I remember picking up number 35, which I, which I will say to this day, I think is the best comic book cover ever. It was the second part of the battle between the All-Stars and the mind-controlled Marvel family. And uh, so he says that he, uh, you know, he read that issue and took him years and years to years to get the other one. But uh, he didn't care. He was perfectly okay with just reading half the story. So, very cool. Absolutely. Yeah, I, that, that's true. And that's true. You know, I read lots of half parts of stories when I was a kid and it just didn't bother me. You know, I just enjoyed what I had and I didn't really even think about it. I read that uh, Death of uh, Mr. Terrific and JLA 171. Oh, yeah. One t- <laughs> never read 172 for like 25 years. <laughs> never I never knew, knew who killed Even though it was right there in Who's Who, I just didn't pick up on who killed him. 
Uh, we get an email from Philip Rutledge, who has a really cool collection of Firestorm art over on his Comic Art Fans page. Uh, he wrote around episode 90, the Summertime Vacation Crossovers, another great episode. I really enjoyed these special themes. My summer memory is pick, is of picking up the JLA, JSA, LS, LSH team-up versus Mordru in JLA 147. The first JLA, JSA crossover and my introduction to the Legion. Love that story. I became a huge fan of the Legion in the late 70s from that book. My intro to Mike Grell. Bronze Age, JLA, JSA, All-Star Comics, and LSH are some of my favorite comics. I agree with that, Philip. He mentions that uh, in terms of crossovers, he's been picking up Batman's Batman's No Man's Land storyline in the quarter bin. Nice callback to another episode. Uh, re- regarding how you find comics, he said, I also have fond memories of the Spinner Rack. We had three drugstores in our small Canadian prairie town. It was always a gamble to see what issues would arrive and how long they would take to stay on the racks until I could afford to buy them. I remember pulling some issues off the Spinner Rack and hiding them in the magazine so I could go back and buy them later. I did the same thing. I did thing. that too. <laughs> Guns and ammo? Nobody's going to read this. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, it's very smart. Very good idea, Philip. He misses, I also love the process of discovering back issues in the used bookstores before comic book stores were mainstream. There was a great store at Edmonton called the We Book Inn. Everything in Canada is so cute. Which had a comic book <laughs> annex next door, which stacks of poorly organized with stacks of poorly organized comics. I spent hours digging through piles of comics to find the occasional gem. I remember finding Marvel Fanfare Number One with Whoa. that great Michael Goldenart and Claremont story. Great book. Yeah, that is a gem. Jeez. Now it's great find almost any issue on eBay or online store, but it was much more fun digging through the back issue bins. I find that most stores these days don't maintain much back, back stock and are focusing on new issues, trades, games, blah, blah, blah. I can understand the financial justification, but I miss the bins. Keep up the great work, guys. Phil. You know, his Firestorm collection, by the way, of sketches is just to die for. I like stuff, it. yeah. Oh, my gosh. You know, I, you know, I think we hit on something with that summertime episode with vacations and crossovers and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, we, I, that got a zillion yeah, comments yeah, and did. feedback. And, and we got a lot of great personal stories like that, too. We love the personal stories, guys, by the way. Feel free to keep, share with us. I'm sorry, I'm distracted. My phone keeps going off because Siskoid and, and, and little Russell Burbage and everyone else keeps sending messages about Monster Mash to me right now. They need to stop. Can we pay attention to, the, to what you're doing? Come on. I was trying. I was trying. Anyway, so send the personal stories, please. I would love to hear about um, – we love we love hearing those. So yeah, a keep, bunch keep of them coming. comics-related personal stories. That would make a great book. Someone should do that. Someone should do that book. <laughs> maybe, maybe a volume two. Maybe. Um, all right, we got another Canadian uh, message from uh, – Mo- I'm going to say – he even gave us the phonetics. Moise. 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 That's what I was going to say. I was going to say Moise, but I'm sure it's wrong somehow. So anyway, also on the Summertime Classics when he said uh, that uh, he was uh, – went to his lo- – recently he was celebrating Geek Day and he went to his local comic shop, RX Comics here in Vancouver. He goes, it's a neat thing about RX is they put a bunch of lawn boxes outside in front of the shop full of old comics and they sell them for three for a dollar. And he goes, and I'm talking Canadian dollars here. I figure, why not take a look and see what's what, or who's who for this matter? Well, what a nice score. Not only did I find two-thirds of Invasion, but I also found a couple zero-hour zero issues. And Superman number one by Byrne. I also passed by some Bloodlines, Micronauts, and a few others that you two mentioned on the show. There was even a stack of Dazzler there, and I thought of you, Shag. I don't get that. I don't what, that, me and Dazzler? I, mean, I think you've, because you've mentioned Dazzler before on the show. Have I? Yeah. Allison Blair's hot, but I don't know. Anyway, um... Once in the store, I mentioned the zero year finds, and the owner found me five issue zero five found me the five issue zero hour miniseries for five bucks. The whole lot was only eight dollars total. That must be like eighty five cents American. 
And uh, he says, the esteemed Fire and Water podcast is like an oasis in the hot desert. <laughs> then we heard from our buddy uh, Zoom Yakinori, who has... What's that? Yukonori. Yukonori. Thank you. He has his own blog. He also draws for uh, over on comic book resources, and our comics should be good, under a column called The Line is, Dr- it is, the line is Drawn. The Line It Is Drawn. Apparently, I can't read, so... Um, he talked about the summer issue is, episode as well. He said, wow, that brought back lots of memories. He said, Millennium was responsible for me dropping out of comic book reading for about 10 years. <laughs> wow, that's the flip side of an opinion on Millennium. Um, he also said, Bloodlines had one good thing to come out of it, was Hitman. I love the Hitman series, some of Garth Ennis's finest work. You know, that's something we, we failed to mention. A lot of people dinged us on. He adds, I was listening to your podcast while finishing my weekend project of building new shelves for my CD collection, so I took your comment about nobody buying music anymore very personally, so you two are now dead to me. Oh, wait, we're talking about comic books, so you guys are alive to me again. Great podcast as always, fan the flame and ride the wave. <laughs> now, he, uh, he wrote in talking about how um, I, I had looked in the DC Heroes role-playing game, and it talked about how Barry Allen died during Crisis. Sorry, spoiler. And... Um, <laughs> He said, and I had this debate about whether the game was released prior to issue 8 hitting the stands. And I don't think it was. I think the game was released just after issue 8 came out. But there's some question about it, though. So, and he had some information here, and he's also wondering. So, you know, I put the question out to everyone else. Does anyone have any information, because I have looked on the interwebs, and I can't find anything, verifying the exact release date of the DC role-playing game as to whether it came out before or after Crisis Number 8? Because it would be interesting to find if other people had that uh, bit spoiled for them. Like, uh, mine wasn't so much spoiled, but that's how the news was broken to me, so. Anyway, uh, he said, as a callback, he said he listened to our Deasley Sampler podcast, which is issue 50, which, by the way, is a four-hour powerhouse with Diablo Frank, which is going to seem short in comparison to this one, I think. Anyway, he says he listened to it on a plane on his trip back to the U.S. and enjoyed it immensely. Throughout it, it was as if I was chatting with my mates in Hong Kong studio uh, that I used to work at in the late 80s. We would go on about DC Marvel Comics a lot. Thank you for the reminder and the re-experience. That's insane. Yeah, I can't believe... Yeah, what, what was that place to work at like? <laughs> I know. I mean, that episode's like torture. I mean, people have <laughs> told us many times. Now, in response to that, Diablo Frank wrote something that really got a lot of people talking where he's... They're talking about price increases and stuff. And he, he just boldly said, uh, modern writers suck. They think they're auditioning for screenplays when they're supposed to be doing satisfying comic books. Modern artists also suck. They want to pay... You, they want you to pay them to produce two-page spreads that make more money in the aftermarket than sequential storytelling, which are harder to produce besides. They're graphic novels, not f- portfolios, original art, pre-order catalogs. Powerful words, but I'm not going to say he's wrong. So, Yeah, they really kicked off a whole big debate back and forth over on Firestorm Fan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a bomb throw, that Frank. Uh, <laughs> Uh, we got an email from our pal Siskoid, who of course runs the Siskoid blog, Siskoid's blog of geekery over at siskoid.blogspot.com. Regarding uh, episode 92, the discounted comics episode, I am super late on my fire and water listening. Whatever, better late than ever. Great guest star. Favorite bit, the awkward silence when Shag revealed he liked Siren 7. <laughs> like, like Rob, I never lacked for comics and books, even though we were relatively poor, and it was all down to my forsaking sports equipment, even including a bike. <laughs> See, yeah, if you don't ask your parents to ever get you sporting equipment, you got money for comics. Uh, he says, my favorite bargain bin, well, flea market comic, is probably Avengers 174, which is basically underdog Hawkeye saving every Avenger ever by defeating the Collector. Love that book to pieces, and is the number one reason I like Hawkeye to this day. 
Sadly, bargain bins today are so full of 90s crap, I don't like to brave the fingertip eczema by flipping through them. Oh. By the way, thanks for not mentioning the project Siskoid works on with me, um, the Hero Points podcast, and the Legion of Superbloggers. So, thanks for that. I'll just the choose Legion to take that. The Legion of Superbloggers thing got, you had like, that was like a 20-minute plug in the beginning of the show. I gotta mention it again? It's gonna get mentioned every time a blogger comes up. Okay. Because we, we are Legion, my friend. I got it. Uh, we heard next from our buddy Doug Zawizza. And uh, Doug is actually in the process of launching a new venture called Tales of My Greatest Strange Adventures, which is uh, it's a, it's a catch-all blog that he's going to cover. Doom Patrol, Cyborg, uh, Red Tornado, and Dead Man, and so much more. So be sure to check that out. Again, Tales of My Greatest Strange Adventures.blogspot.com. Now, you can also find his Doom Patrol blog over at, um, still going to have lots of older great content, My Greatest Adventure, AD Blogspot, and also he is a reviewer for Comic Book Resources. So he gave us a couple suggestions for the backup strips called uh, Backdraft or Undertow or even Undercurrents, which is sort of a uh, nod to the old DC Currents, or even Monitor Duty. Uh, thanks for the suggestions. Then under Summertime Comics, he says, I celebrated, uh, listening to the, the episode, I celebrated by busting out my Secret Wars omnibus. omnibus. The first, not Secret Wars 2. <laughs> I like reading. that he made, he made pains to stress that. Oh, well, we've had, I, I've had lots of discussions about the Secret Wars 2 omnibus before. So anyway, um, and he read an issue at lunch that day. Wow, what a marketing tool that was. Every character all but reads off an award-style introduction when they confront another character. It's the all-new Hulk with the brain power of Bruce Banner, but he's really touchy nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Then we heard from our buddy Luke Dobb, who is the man behind Dobb Creative. Um, you can find that on Tumblr, Facebook, Twitter. It's everywhere. And uh, he's the most dashed Playgirl, creative. I believe. What's that? I believe he's in Playgirl as well. Oh, jeez. Oh. Anyway, uh, we played his song back in a couple episodes back, which was the Making Steam, which was a nod to all the uh, fire and water listeners and an active community so thanks for playing the song guys episode 89 was a blast i wanted to write a quick amen to angie's comments about the good and evil motivations of modern comic book characters i too wish writers could get past the idea that heroism can only be spurred by tragedy and that evil needs to be understood and sympathized with i miss reading about heroes who do the right thing because it's the right thing to do i realize that the world we live in is gray i don't even trust my own motivations half the time but i miss reading superheroes that elicit most uh, my most noble aspirations. Maybe I'm simplistic. I just happen to think nobility, honor, compassion, kindness, and protectiveness are better and more powerful motivators than guilt, grief, or uh, regret. I think that's one of the reasons I'm really liking Jeff Parker's work on Aquaman. He's admittedly writing him heroically, and I think positivity, positivity allows the character to actually be fun. By the way, I forgot to mention, Luke Dobb, you can also find him on Patreon, and actually you can help support his creative projects. Ah, yes. I, I'm doing that. Uh, he, uh, his, his, yes, his suggestion for the backup feature is called Baby Got Backups, which <laughs> I don't think we're going to use, but it's probably my favorite one so far, just because it made me <laughs> chuckle when I saw it. He also gave a nod, uh, a vote for someone else's, which was calling all backups. Yep. Uh, we got an email from Luke Giaconetti, who, of course, does the, uh, the podcast Earth Destruction Directive, which can be found over on 2TrueFreaks.com, and he does the Hawkman blog called Being Carter Hall over at being, being CarterHall.blogspot.com. Regarding he's, also, he's also a rogue cop one step away from losing his that's badge. That's right. That's right. Uh, what about the rights of that little girl? Uh, regarding <laughs> episode 90, the summertime vacation crossover. You got a lot of comments on that episode. Uh, Rob, I have never been to Lake Walnpawpack, but I have driven past it countless times on I-84 in Pennsylvania. That's the road, Luke. 
I drive right through that section of the Poconos when I head back to New York to visit my family. I used to go through there when I drove with my parents to Florida or South Carolina or visited my friend Bob at his house there, which he had dubbed Fake Home. Sad Sack was Shag's favorite, huh? Somehow that is appropriate. Ouch! I don't really know why that's appropriate, because I think I tend to be more of the Sad Sack on the show, so I would think it would be more appropriate for me, but Luke has an insight to your personality that I guess I'm not going to question. I will say, you know, I bought that stack of 10 Sad Sack comics. You they did? have I, they have been the hit in my house. Let me tell you, <laughs> my stepson read all of them, laughed his butt off. My eight year old daughter thinks they're hilarious. Uh, best buy on that whole trip, man. So, uh, Luke went on to say, I also have my co- comic book vacation story. Right around the time I was starting to get really in on the Marvel Universe, nineteen ninety three, I think. My family took a vacation to Walt Disney World, one of uh, one of the many we had there. On that trip, I got two multi-packs of comics from a vendor inside that was then Disney MGM Studios. One was Excalibur, issues 42 through 47, with writing and art by Alan Davis, and Nomad, issues 1 through 3. I read the hell out of those comics, over and over. I was already an Excalibur fan, but I fell in love with the group from those issues. So, of course, Davis's run ended soon after that. <laughs> and I still have a soft spot for Jack Monroe due to the Nomad days uh, from these comics. You know, it's, it's so interesting when you read comics at the right time of life. Even if they're good or not good, they just they, they stay with you so well. You know? I love that. And he went on, he rattled off a bunch of ones. Uh, he said, amusingly, I just read a summer crossover, and I just have to read these because the, the titles bring back so many memories. He read a Marvel one. It was Rise of the Midnight Suns. Man, I wish I read this one as a kid because I would eat it with a spoon. Ghost Rider, Johnny Blaze with his Hellfire shotgun. Morbius, the Darkhold Redeemers. Blade, Hannibal King. Frank Drake, Lilith, the L- Lillin? I don't even know what that is. Enough demons, violence, and horror to make Rob Kelly turn up his nose. What's not to like? I don't even know what that means. You, you 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 say things are too violent. Oh, I see. Okay, all right. I can appreciate that. Then. Yep. <laughs> uh, we got an email from little Russell Burbage from Rimbor. Uh, of course, his blog is Friends of Justice, which you can find at uh, Good Lord. I'm not even going to try and say it. It's uh, Japanese, man. It's <laughs> Japanese. Seigenonakama blogspot.com. Uh, again, regarding the summertime vacation. Hey, hey, hey! What? It says it right there. What? Le- Legion of Super Bloggers. Legion of Super Bloggers. See? Like, <laughs> all right. uh, great podcast, as always. It makes me want to go back and reread Legends, which I don't really remember all that fondly. I'm not a big fan of Mass Hysteria stories, but I seem to recall this was. Uh, there was another annual crossover, which I remember fondly, something about DCU International. Characters from different countries other than the U.S. appeared in them. I finally recall the Titans JLA issues. The characters from JLA reappeared in the JLA Gatekeeper miniseries by Tim Truman. Aquaman was in JLA at the time, and Tempest Aqualad was in Titans. And then he, he, he footnotes his own email. Addendum. I misremembered. Sala made her debut in Green Lantern Annual Number 9, then her story followed in Gatekeeper. The JLA, JSA, Flash, Superman, and Batman also had Planet DC annuals. Mostly these characters never appeared again, but the ones I read were fun. I don't even remember JLA Gatekeeper. No, I don't remember that either. I remember the Planet DC stuff, but anyway. He goes on, he, he put on his angry pants and uh, wrote us a message about our review of Firestorm Number 11. I think he, he says, generally has his angry pants on. I think he takes them off to write other things. Oh, is that how we're yeah, – okay. He goes, uh, well, I'll find out because I'm going to meet him soon, by the way. Um, he wrote, this issue of Firestorm was stupid. The hyena is probably the dumbest returning villain I've seen in a long time. You think the Rainbow Raider was stupid? At least you can tell he's a boy. Look at this cover. There are two hyena men attacking Firestorm, right? Except one of them is supposed to have a twig and berries, and one of them is supposed to have melons. And <laughs> 
and those of us with pets can attest, boy dogs and curl dogs do look different. I'm sorry, but I can't stand a story that's based on a premise that is absolutely wrong. If you can't tell that a naked wear hyena person has a penis where he should and where she should have nipples, you're blind. Even Daredevil would be able to tell the difference. Please tell me the next issue of the story moves past away from the non-mystery of who is the hyena and heads into actual thriller mode. Little hyena hater. Does <laughs> not mince words. Well, all right, and next up we heard from uh, Derek, our buddy over, over at Fan Holes Podcast. When uh, we were talking about the crossovers, he just wanted to give a shout-out to his own, uh, his own podcast, which, again, is Fan Holes Podcast. You can find that at fanholespodcast.blogspot.com, where they did several episodes about crossovers as well, so check those out. Yep. Uh, we heard from Mike Gillis, who, of course, does the Radio versus the Martians podcast regarding the Bob Haney Showcase. Hey guys, I'm really glad that you covered my favorite Haney apparel, Brave and Bold story of all. My good friend, Paul Rua, Paul Rue, that's the way you would say it, turned me on to this book about a year ago. I love its utter insanity. It's clear from the story that Bob Haney has a cosmic reality warping powers. Everyone and everything in the DC Universe are merely his playthings. But a thought, <laughs> it's true. But a thought struck me. Jim Aparo drew the famous Batman issue that killed Jason Todd, the second Robin. But because Robin's fate was decided by a vote, Aparo drew two endings to the story. One where Robin dies, another where he miraculously survives. So, given that Aparo's godlike powers take effect when he draws them, not when they're published, what effect does the DC Universe of drawing both of these pages have? I suspect that this probably tore a hole in the space-time continuum. Jim Aparo's pencil may be solely responsible for the crisis, final crisis, zero hour, and countless other crossover events where the heroes have to fix time. This sort of power is doubly dangerous when paired with a writer like Bob Haney, who clearly has no regard for continuity or basic logic, and is only driving Aparo to endanger the very universe with its godlike powers. These guys make the anti monitor look like Killer Moth. Regards, my guess. Oh my gosh! Somehow I hadn't actually read that comment before you read it aloud. Holy crap, that's hysterical. It, it makes just as much sense as anything Haney wrote in that issue of Brave and the Bold. So oh my god, hell? that's funny. Yeah. Well well played, Mr. Gillis. Well played. Somewhere that Robin is alive and kicking. Uh, we got an email from Patrick Moe regarding, again, the summertime vacation crossover episode. I'm about 25 minutes into episode 90, but I had to take a quick break while it was fresh in my mind. Rob just got finished discussing how he could remember things from two years ago, but these comics from 22 years ago feel, feel like yesterday. Without rehashing my bio too much, my first foray into collecting comics was roughly 1985 to 1990, almost exclusively Marvel. I got back into comics in the New 52, tried to do a little DC and Marvel, but eventually subscribed to, and really have grown to love Marvel Unlimited. While I've tried purposely to pick a books series that I haven't read before, it's amazing how much I feel pulled to read those X-Men, Thor, Avengers, you name it, comic books in that first comic book era of mine. Just seeing a cover of one of these old books brings back so many memories. I won't hold nostalgia at bay forever, and I'm sure I'll be reading those and thoroughly enjoying comics in not too long. Thanks so much for sharing. Well, thank you. There you go, man. Finding your joy. There it is, Patrick. Uh, We heard from Michelle Fief who uh, he has his own uh, blog and everything, but he's probably best known as the writer for Marvel Comics' all-new Ultimates. And he has his own self-published book, Ka- Capra. He wrote about the summer vacation one. He says, I don't know why, but I really like the idea of season-specific comic reading when it comes to summer. Marvel's Atlantis Attacks crossover is first in line. I've never even read all the chapters, and a few I did read back then weren't particularly mind-blowing. But there's something appealing about this collection of thick annuals desperately trying to make a solid event by way of cheap newsprint entertainment. Butterfingers and Mega Man 2 and comics from the local 7-Eleven. That was my summer of 1989. So, awesome. Love that. Thank you, sir. Heard from our buddy John Godwin, as uh, 
sent us some nice messages. Thank you so much for the compliments. Appreciate that. Heard from our buddy John B. Cox. He says, I really enjoyed the summer reading episode. I chuckle when you mentioned the darkness within summer event. Last year, I decided to do my own summer event. And for the first summer, I decided to do the Summer of Eclipso. I started with the showcase featuring Eclipso, then went on to the Darkness Within and the Eclipso series. Following that was the rise of Eclipso from Justice League and ending with a new 52's Black Diamond Probability. Um, he said, then he goes on very, um, amazingly, this, this guy's got, you know, uh, clairvoyance and, and he should be opening a, a, a fortune teller parlor. So this is wondering what your thoughts on, are on the new flash TV show. Do you think Caitlin snow is a prelude to the first live action firestorm? Yeah. Yeah. And he's saying, keep in mind, Johnson, this months ago. So I'm wow. Hat, my hat's off to you, John. Impressive. We heard from our buddy, Tom Panner Reese who does the Taking Flight podcast, which is dedicated to Robin. He does the In Country podcast, which is dedicated to Marvel's The Nom. And he also writes a blog called Pop Culture Affidavit. Anyway, he wrote to us also about the summer episode. See, the summer episode really clicked with everyone. We're going to have to figure out a way to, uh, to do another one of those without repeating ourselves. So it goes. Uh, he says, when I was a kid, my parents and I took an annual vacation similar to Rob's where we rented a cabin on a lake and went without phones or television for a week. Our vacation was in New Hampshire, but the experience was very much like the one Rob described. I tried to remember if there were any comics that I remember buying during this time, but aside from picking up a trade paperback collection of Catwoman, her sister's keeper, and Cable and, a new, new, and the New Mutants in 1992, I don't think I bought a lot of comics while I was in New Hampshire. In fact, I remember buying a ton of baseball cards during those summers and also buying multiple copies of both Mad and Cracked. <laughs> Cracked? <laughs> Dude, I love reading Mad when I was a kid. My, my kid, my uh, 14-year-old now loves Mad, so... Uh, so I have a lot of fun memories of reading, rereading, and laughing at Spy vs. Spy, snappy answers to stupid questions, the lighter side of, and a ton of other comedic gems from the usual gang of idiots, as well as whatever was in Cracked. Awesome. Uh, heard from Jeremiah Parker, also goes by Germ. He said, I finally understand the thrill of the hunt. You guys are talking about when you could only buy comics off the spinner racks. I was really enjoying that episode where you guys talked about your summer or mountain comics, and I thought to myself that I would never experience such a feeling of not knowing what I was going to get or what comics I would find today, since I can go to my comic shop and get my books out of my hold box and, or look online and see what's on the market for the day. I was getting pretty jealous of that, in fact. I went, to, I went as far as to curse the timing of my birth, almost. Well, the other day I stumbled onto a used bookstore which was packed with people. That spiked my interest. I like books, and there's a lot of people inside, so either it's a really good bookstore or something really interesting is going on. So I went in and started looking around, find some good books for really good prices. I hadn't even seen the whole store yet. I made my way to the back wall where I saw the entire back wall was filled with graphic novels. My heart almost burst out of my chest. I was so excited. I found so many books that I wanted to get, in, uh, to get and started making a stack of books. I felt pretty good about my stack of comics. I, I started to make my way to the front when something caught my eye. Way in the back corner, tucked away in its own room, almost hidden by the shelves, were three tables with long boxes on top of them and underneath them. I froze. Was this the feeling Shag and Rob were talking about? What could be in those boxes? I had to find out, and found out I did. They were filled with all sorts of comics from almost every era. I found the first half of Who's Who, which I snagged as soon as I saw them, as well as a few Aquaman titles I was missing. It was very exciting to dig through all those comics and find uh, some that I didn't think I would ever find in the wild. It was such a good experience that I'm definitely going to go back with a bigger wallet. Thanks for the inspiration, guys, and keeping the awesome shows coming. Awesome, man. Happy to help. Our shows, man, our shows pump so much money in the local's economy. It's it does. It really does. The thrill of the hunt. Oh, it's so good. So, 
Jason Trenner wrote in. He said, hey, guys, really enjoyed the episode of comics where you got on vacation, especially Rob's finding all sorts of gems and things he'd never find the rest of the year. Well, I have an interesting story. When my family went out boating for one last time, we did uh, – one of the last times we did, I was able to get a comic book at the place we rented the boat. It was X-Force number 35. Now, he goes on to talk a lot about the issue. I'm not going to go into the detail of it. But he comes back to say it was a great issue and to get – um. Yes, it was a great issue to get anywhere and brings back fond memories. Took a while to get the second part, and it was fun. Just thought I'd share that even X-Force is as far from Firestorm and Aquaman as you can get. Now, can we not gloss over the idea that he got a comic book at the place where they rented the boat? I know. That's crazy. <laughs> like, the guys that rent the boat thought, let's carry comics. We should uh, carry X-Force. Yeah. He also mentions, Rob, any idea if anyone has ever requested for artwork, the Golden Age Wonder Woman flipping out and being told that she's the JSA secretary in the aftermath of her just beating them senseless? I don't know that that exists, but if it does, you need to get Darwin Cook to do it. Either Darwin Cook or Zoom get on that for um, the, the line it is drawn. That would be good, too. Yeah, That would be great. Uh, we heard from Michael Kiriskiro. He says um, – this is an interesting discussion here. He goes, this raises some interesting topics for discussion. With so much venom online from fans towards DC since the start of the New 52, it's become almost sacrilege to admit that you like any DC books. I've sampled several since the start of the New 52, and have only stuck with Aquaman and Batman 66. But I hear great things about Green Arrow and Wonder Woman, and while I haven't read a Superman book in ages, I'm actually stoked to check out his, uh, his series later this month to see what John Romita does with the book. So my point is, while I'm not thrilled with the new 52, and I miss the old continuity so much it actually makes me sad if I think about it for too long, I know there are still some quality books out there from DC. Not a lot, but some. So I've been trying to enjoy the ones I like from DC while telling myself that at some point, this whole dark and gritty, for dark and gritty's sake, era will shift into something more satisfying later on. Because comics are cyclical, and I'm sure that won't be the default of DC forever. Will it? So that's an interesting sort of observation that, like, you know, it's almost like you almost get attacked if you admit you like DC right now. That's sort of true. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, uh, you should know. It, it seems so silly to get attacked. You know, if you like what you like, you know. And to, and to be fair, there's a bunch of Marvel haters out there too. I, I kind of find that, like, if you grew up a DC guy, you're not happy with DC. But you're, you're sort of interested in Marvel. If you grew up a Marvel guy, you're not necessarily happy with Marvel, but you're finding joy in DC. It's kind of – it's just sort of a grass is greener sort of thing almost to some extent. Hmm. So. Um, he wrote in about uh, the Professor Allen episode, the discount bins. He says, now, with regards to specific quarter bin finds, I've had several over the years and too many to mention. Um, but I thought you guys would enjoy this one just the other day. I was at my LCS, which, is about a, which has about a dozen stuffed quarter bins filled mostly with issues from the 90s and onwards, which are about 25 to 30% Bronze Age books mixed in there. So I was flipping through the quarter bins and came across a five-issue run of Micronauts! First volume, number 44 through 48, with art by Gil Kane and Luke McDonald. Gorgeous stuff! I snapped them up. I bought a few issues of Micronauts in the 80s and have wanted to read them ever since. Plus, I've heard Shag wax rhapsodic. I don't even know what that word means. About the book several times, so I was thrilled to find a little mini run in the bins. See, it's finds like this that make all the time spent digging through the bins worthwhile. Absolutely, brother. Heck Yeah. Heard from our buddy Martin Stein Returns, uh, which is Robert Gross. We're talking about Firestorm number 11. Um, I, we had comment on Clarissa, Professor Stein's ex-wife, had purple hair. And he wrote, yes, Clarissa Clemens' hair is indeed purple because she is Pariah's little-known malevolent sister. <laughs> I like that. We heard from Adam about the Bob Haney showcase. He says, I don't know if this has been mentioned anywhere yet, but Batman was shown to be deputized as far back as 1941. 
but they started playing up the fact that he was deputized during the days of the Comics Code. Because the Comics Code said, Policemen, judges, government officials, and respected institutions shall never be presented in such a way as to create disrespect for established authority. That is friggin' hilarious that Batman was a deputized sheriff because of the Comics Code. <laughs> and that was back when he was just plugging people left to right with his gun. That's true. Uh, we got an email from Michael Bradley of the Superman and Batman podcast, which is at greatcrypton.com, and the Parallel Lines podcast, which is at great, also greatcrypton.com. Love, love, love the Bob Haney Showcase. Do we want more? Yes, please. I've covered a few Haney stories on Superman and Batman, including the first Super Sons with help from Emily of Uncovering the Bronze Age. But Haney deserves more attention from the podcast world. Also, if you ever want need a third voice on a future round of Haney Love, consider my hat tossed into the ring. And then he ends it with Haney in all caps. <laughs> I got to tell you, um, the Parallel Lines podcast, folks, you may not have heard it. It's fairly new. It's Michael Bradley teaming up with Sean Engel. So you've got the you know the, the force behind Superman and Batman podcast and the force behind just one of the guys in Who True Freaks came together to do this Parallel Lines podcast, which is a podcast dedicated to Tangent, DC's Tangent. Hey, now, you know I love I'm just you. saying that's a very, very, very niche That is a niche. Topic yes, it is. Um, and it is damn good. It is burning up my, uh, my iPhone right now. I cannot get through this episode. In fact, I'm almost out of episodes. I'm kind of pissed. Um, it's so good. So check it out, folks. Heard from uh, Darren and Ruth. I uh, mentioned them earlier. They uh, recently attended Heroes Con in Charlotte, North Carolina, and they got to meet Ramona Freighton. Uh, so they got her to sign their copy of The Art of Ramona Freighton, and they purchased an original illustration of Aquaman from her, and they took a picture with her. So thanks for sharing that. Heard from Keith Samra. Been a little while. Keith Samra. Uh, he said, Shag, I've always... <laughs> we were talking about... This is uh, when Rob and I met face-to-face, that unfortunate episode that you all had to listen to. <laughs> he said, uh, Shag, I've always thought that if you take to smoking a pipe, you would look like Professor Martin Stein. <laughs> I don't think that's a compliment. <laughs> uh, James Quirton commented on that episode as well. He called, he said, it's like listening a po- listening to a podcast of eHarmony first dates. <laughs> it is really awkward. I went back and listened to it. It's a really awkward, awkward recording. Of, like, we probably shouldn't have recorded. I don't know. But it, Oh, I know. I don't agree with that. How could we I not? Mean, we had to. Yeah, but- come on. How, many, how mad would have everybody have been if we said we got together and we didn't record anything? That No, no, no. There was awkwardness. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, there's awkwardness in every episode. What? Like right now. <laughs> You're up. I'm waiting for you. Okay. We got uh, Joe X sent us a comment regarding the Alan Brennert episode, which is number 95. Mark Wade also followed up on the Secret Origins number 50 story in his JLA Year One series. And just why did Wade get fired from editorial? The story I've always heard involved Cap's hobby hints short from the 1988 DC Christmas reprint book that alluded to artist murderer Greg Brooks. Jeez. Yeah, there is a reference to that. I don't want to get into it. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you, the JLA Year One, so good. I've been uh, – I've been uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Synopsizing those on uh, Aquaman Trine every so often. Um, what's that site? Yeah, yes, net. Thank you. Never uh, heard of it. Yeah. Uh, it's not, no Legion of Super Bloggers, but it's not bad. Uh, <laughs> regarding episode 98, the Mego episode. Mego Superheroes line was never anything I was into as a kid, mostly because I thought they looked hideous in the ads that were all over 70s comics. <laughs> they did look pretty bad in the ads. My brother had the Steve Austin doll with the eyesight. That's not a Mego doll. And a Star Trek phaser gun. But the closest I came was a couple of the early Micronauts, which I never realized until today were Mego as well. I know he had a Necroyer with the pink metal wing fans, Biotron, and a Hydrocopter. 
which I could just go for big money if I hadn't played until they broke. Oh, well, thanks for another informative episode with Rob. Very nice. Heard from our buddy Steve Mandel, who goes by Negative Steve. He says, um, your coverage of whatever happened to our man reminded me of something I've always been curious about, was never able to find the answer. So, folks, pay attention. This is a question for you at home. It says, Our Man was one of the founding members of the JSA, along with Green Lantern and Flash. When Flash and Green Lantern left the title to star in their own books, Our Man left as well. But he did not receive his own book. Rick Thomas explained this in All-Star Squadron to say that Rex took a leave of absence to deal with his Miraculo addiction. But I always wonder what the actual reason was. Was Our Man just unpopular with the fans and replaced with a cooler character? Or was there a more sinister explanation? So some of y'all are comic book historians, so please, if you would, let us know why Our Man left the JSA title, or All-Star Comics, but didn't get his own series, whereas everyone else did. By the way, Steve Mandel, he can be found in several different places. Um, Nerdy Endeavors Online, he writes a top 11 list, a variety of geekly subjects. He also recently starred co-hosting The Cult of Popture. It's like pop culture mixed into one word. The Cult of Popture with Jason Gonzalez. Um, he also has done doing continued to do a lot of stand up. He did something on the Day in History show where he was dressed up as a Cthulhu and uh, did a lot of jokes. And um, I think he said, "Where is it?" The, um, he said, "Doctor Who, Gremlins," uh, and I'm missing it. Oh well, he he made some funny jokes in there. So definitely check it. Oh, here it is. Uh, you can see that it may only be the only joke about CC Beck ever in this video. We heard from the Holy Geekdom, uh, their listeners of the show. They have a podcast and a Tumblr. Check that out as theholygeekdom.tumblr.com and over on Twitter. That'll get you to it. Heard from Professor Alan Middleton of the Rel- Relatively Geeky Podcast Network, which includes Uncovering the Bronze Age, the Quarterbin Podcast, and Shortbox Showcase. That can be found at relativelygeekypodcast.blogspot.com. You remember he was on our show recently with the discount bins. He wrote in to write uh, on an episode or two later, my fiery and watery friends. So let's see if I have this right. You have me on for an episode, and just a few months later, you put on an episode that clocked in at less than 40 minutes. My work here is done. (laughs) (laughs) We heard from our good buddy Tom Zoller, who uh, is the brains behind the Love and Capes comic book, but he also has started a podcast. It's called Comics Assembled. He does it with Brian Ward. And you can find that on iTunes. Again, the comics, it's called Comics Assembled. Be sure to check that out. Uh, we got a message from Count Drunkillo. He sent us a bunch of stuff. I'm I sorry. Say, I, a, I, a I was, message. <laughs> yeah, why don't, you, why don't you start off, Zach? I jumped in there. Uh, no, actually, uh, yours is the first one, but I'll just say where you can find Count Drunkula. You can find him over on his Black Canary blog, which is called Flowers and Fishnuts. That's blackcanaryfan.blogspot.com. Great blog. Uh, dedicated to all all forms of Black Canary. Really good stuff. He is also the man responsible for the Fire and Water Playdate action figure comic strips that you've probably seen. Those are the ones with the action figure posing and they have funny quotes about from Fire and Water. Hysterical. Thank you. We love those. And also, I didn't know this until I started researching this. He's got a book on Amazon called Mr. Smartass. <laughs> so check that so out. It's an autobiography then. Probably. Mr. Smartass by Ryan Daly. So there we go. Uh, regarding episode 89, he says, There aren't enough facepalm memes on the internet for how Rob pronounces Modoc. <laughs> you did it again. I know. Modoc. I'm going to keep doing it. Oh, no. Uh, 
he mentions uh, regarding episode 91, Aquaman number 31, Others 3, and Firestorm 11. Rob, Aquaman may have may have been skipped by the Secret Origin series in the 80s, but as I'm sure you know, Dolphin got a story in the giant size 50th and final issue. That issue also featured Black Canary's origin, which all everyone's favorite, Alan Brenner. Yes, I do. I am aware of all that. I still, it still hurts that Aquaman didn't. Uh, regarding the live from Devin, less than special, I'm going on a lone road trip today, and I wake up to find a bonus Fire and Water podcast episode waiting for me. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Wait, it's only 19 minutes long? Great. I can listen to one minute for every hour of my trip. I hate <laughs> you guys so much. Hey, Robin Jag, about the time I said hey you, I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. <laughs> Obviously, Drunkybus off his meds right now. Yeah, and then he came back for episode 95, which was the Brennard episode. It took me a good week to listen to this entire episode, but it was terrific. When you mentioned interviewing Alan Brennard on the previous Summit episode, I knew it would be an extra special treat for your regular listeners and fans of his work. I loved hearing how he got started and how he collaborated with Martin Pascal, Paul Levitz, Danny O'Neill, and Dick Giordano. It was nice to hear him clear the air regarding should old, anxiety, old acquaintance be forgot and whether or not he and Mark Wade pulled one over on DC. It was drawn by the editor-in-chief. Well said. I think my heart stopped for a full two seconds when he revealed that he could have taken over Daredevil permanently after Frank Miller left. Unfortunately, he only got one issue, or episode, as he would say. Uh, and then he, he talks about the Secret Origins story, and then he says, here's hoping Mr. Bernard's career in comics isn't over. Maybe he could write for Charlton Arrow. Now, that's very funny that, uh, that um, Cal Drunkula would say that, because I made that very suggestion to the editor of the Charlton Arrow. Uh, more Todd, uh, because, you know, Alan mentioned how much he loved Charlton comics. And then at the end of the show, he talks about that he wouldn't rule out writing future comics. He just hasn't had the opportunity. And I thought, well, he loves Charlton and he is interested in writing comics, but he really doesn't want to do anything for DC or Marvel right now because of the, you know, the sort of creator hassles that's been going on there. So I thought, so I, I sent an email over to More Todd and said, just why don't you consider? I, you know, I personally, don't want to. I don't want to think about the idea that Alan Brenner has never written and will never write another comic book. Like I don't. Yeah, he's still a young man. I don't want to think about that. So there's still time. So somebody offer Alan Brenner some comic stories to write because the world needs more than the twelve that exist. <laughs> uh, and then regarding the Migos episode, oh my God, Rob, that advertisement you ran around the twenty-nine minute mark might be the greatest thing you've ever rebroadcast <laughs> on the Fire and Water podcast. That thing cracked me the hell up. Green Arrow, crime fighter from the forest. Uh, he's not actually Robin Hood. The Falcon, that great black superhero. <laughs> I have no words. I just love that so much. The Torch, faster than the speed of light. Well, that certainly goes a long way to verifying Brian Hyler's assumption that the guys behind thought this line was the Flash and the Human Torch were the same character. Mr. Fantastic and Invisible Girl, both have the power of invisibility. I guess if you can't make Reed stretch, you might as well lie about his power set so kids don't think you've ripped them off. That thing, I think we've played it once before. Yeah, Damn, that thing had me in stitches. The Mego commercials, just in general, are the greatest things ever. There's, there's a bunch of um, uh, in the Power Records episode of the um, Planet of the Apes one. Yeah, I yeah. ran a bunch of Mego Power Records, yes. and there's one that I couldn't find on YouTube, but there's one, there's a great one where the, uh, the these two kids are playing, and the one astronaut character is caught by the apes, and the ape is like. Uh, let's vivisect him. And they're like, Planet of the Apes by Migo. And I'm like, what? It's a children's <laughs> toy. And they're talking about vivisecting people. They were the greatest. They were just nuts. They're just nuts. Insane. Um, let's see. We heard from uh, Earth 2 Chris. Earth 2 Chris was kind enough to point out that Rob doesn't know how to say the word Modoc either. And he says, don't forget about Modam either. Modem. 
<laughs> then uh, on the summer vacation episode, he says, I enjoyed Legends. Uh, this is also the one about crossovers. I enjoyed Leg- Legends, but some of the crossover coordination was off. G. Gordon Godfrey was portrayed as a balding fat man in the first kickoff comic, Detective, as I recall. Millennium was a horrible disappointment. All that for some really lame characters. Invasion was kind of meh for me. War of the Gods was a train wreck, unfortunately. Perez laments the outcome, obviously. Armageddon 2001 had some great what-ifs, but switched out Captain Adam for the thick-headed hawk did not work in any shape or form. I have a soft spot for Zero Hour because, like Shag, I was really into the DCU as a whole, and there was a lot of energy and drive behind that one. Final Night was actually pretty good, and I thought it at least gave Hal a nice send-off. Underworld Unleashed had its moments, too, although I too hated them killing the rogues. Genesis was perhaps the DC's worst crossover. Just a mess. It was rambling and incoherent. You know, I think that's the second vote for um, Final Night we've heard. I may have to go back and reread that. It's been ages. Probably didn't read it since it came out. Enjoy yourself. <laughs> we should mention that Chris does the Supermates podcast, which can be found at supermates.podcast.com. Yes. And uh, he's also part of the Power Records podcast on this very network. That's right. Uh, he mentioned I was at a peddler's mall this weekend. I saw some cheap comics and a 50-cent box, but I didn't bite. Mostly Archie's and Casper's. I did pick up the DVD of Howard the Duck for $1.50. I think I may have gotten hosed. Yes, you did. You absolutely <laughs> got hosed, Chris. I, he, he talks about on his show that he subjected his two children to that movie. and uh, Oh, jeez. You know, I don't know. Maybe they don't have Dyfus in whatever state he lives in. I, I don't know. But, uh, I mean, uh, Cindy's fallen on the job if she let him show those kids that movie because that movie is the worst thing. Ever. It's got Leah Thompson in it. It, it doesn't matter. It's Everything's it's made better with Leah Thompson. And you know what else? Howard the Duck. Oh, God. No way to control it. Oh. Howard the Duck. <laughs> um, anyway, <laughs> episode 95 regarding the Alan Brennan interview. Excellent interview, Rob. It was so great to hear Mr. Brenner talk about these stories. These tales went a long way towards cementing my love for comics and knowing some of the behind-the-scenes factoids is very fulfilling to my inner eight-year-old, which I tend to wear on the outside as well. <laughs> I don't know if I've even told you yet, Rob. That that Brenner interview was awesome. Well done, sir. Thank Very you. Well I done. mean, it was really – I really, first of all, I prepared, which was a nice change. That's a first. Uh, yeah, it was a first. I didn't want to embarrass myself in front of Alan. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, Alan Brenner really has not been extensively interviewed in his work in comics, and I thought – you know, here's the chance to talk at length about his stuff. So I am, I am like all modesty side, very proud of that episode. Not because anything I did, just because that Alan agreed to do it, and then he was willing to talk in so in depth about every single one of his stories. And so I am really happy about that. And um, we'll we'll get to it later on. I mean, I'm probably already going to repeat myself, but someone else, as we go along, feedback mentions that they think that that episode could be turned into a back issue article. Where it's just you know a long form interview of Alan Brennert's, and I would love to do that if I could hire somebody to transcribe it, and if Alan was up for it, I would love to do it because I, I think more people need to read of his stories, and uh, I was glad to just like give him a little more attention. So I was very yeah. very thrilled that he came on the show. Well, I was surprised at his ability to really dive in and talk about the details of the story. I mean, usually when you talk to a writer, a comic that they wrote twenty years ago. You try and do it in broad brushstrokes. You don't, you know. Yeah, you don't he had all really... the nitty gritty. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He was, he was right on there. So that was really good. He's a great guy. He's, a, I am deeply, deeply honored that I get to call him like a friend of mine. That is just an amazing, an amazing thing to me, and it, it That's means it means a whole lot to me that, uh, that that this is somebody who would take the time out to to do the show and. Um, just the fact that you know I get to converse with him privately like that, it's just a whole lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, the more surprising is when that you know he knows you as a friend and still agreed to come on the show. It is so. amazing. That is yeah. it is really remarkable. Uh, that that blackmail you've got must be paying off. Right. Uh, we heard from our buddy Ange, who runs Supergirl's Comic Box Commentary. You can find that at comicboxcommentary.blogspot.com. It's a blog dedicated to Supergirl. Also part of the uh, Super Bloggers Legion of Super Bloggers. You can't remember the name anymore. Uh, he mentions episode in episode 89, I bought the first two issues of Future Zen. It was just depressed after reading it. What an awful, depressing, ultra-violent, gratuitous mess. I posted about it on my site. Like you, Rob, the scene of Grifter gunning down the suburban family struck me. You could do that scene a thousand different ways. It did not have to be like that. It is hard to believe, but I bought the Adventure Comics Aquaman run because I loved Plastic Man at the time. Thinking back... <laughs> Thinking back, that was some book. Humor with Plaz, Steve Ditko and Starman, and Aquaman. Now that's an anthology. That was a good run. It only lasted four issues, that particular lineup, but that was a good set of books. You had Pasco and Staten on Plastic Man. Uh, I forget who was writing Starman, but Ditko, as he says, on Starman. And then you had James Demetrius and Dick Giordano on Aquaman. That was, that was like, that was like a comet that burned brightly and then disappeared. But, but boy, was that good stuff. I got them. In back issues, but I got them. Yeah, yeah. they're good. Uh, on the summer vacation stuff, he wrote, Summer comics, I have mentioned this before, that like Rob has mountain comics, I have beach comics. My folks have a beach house that we all moved to during the summers, and my first memories of comics is in those days. Well, not as isolated as the mountains were, we only had two TV channels, so I read a lot. This was the later years of the 70s. My comics came from two places, a convenience store up the street where I was sent to buy milk and newspapers, um... I also went out to a lot of yard sales and flea markets. There you could get multiple comics for a quarter. There was usually comics from a, a couple of pile, I'm sorry, from a couple of years before, so I cut my teeth on the early 1970s DC. I consider my first comics to be Superboy and the Legion, number 211 and 213. I actually reviewed them on Frank's Bloodlines blog, um, but I also, also vividly remember the other comics, uh, The Ween and Rights and Swamp Thing, number 9, Brave of the Bull, number 18, with Wildcat and Batman, and some Commandies. My lifelong love of the Legion was born there with uh, these Mike Grell-era issues. All the more reason to have him as part of the uh, Legion of Superbloggers. Uh, Ange also had some nice things to say about the Alan Brennan episode, specifically the Supergirl story that, uh, that Alan wrote. So thank you very much. Yeah, it's, uh, once again. It was great to, to hear from Alan talk so in depth about all those great stories. Uh, I got to read this. He mentioned Bob Haney. He goes, I have two Bob Haney issues that were my favorite, favorites and would probably fit right into a Zany Haney podcast. Dude, I totally want to do this next one. Brave and the Bull, number 63. Supergirl and Wonder Woman star in the revolt of the Super Chicks. In the story, Supergirl and Wonder Girl give up being heroes to become models in Paris and be wooed by charming Frenchmen. Uh, only after foiling some crooks do they realize they should have loftier goals. The cover alone could be a podcast. Wonder Woman is a, uh, is a quote, kryptonite booby trap. Fantastic. Works on so many levels. The super chicks are on a new kick. Perfect. And then Brave and the Old number 18, Batman and Wildcat. This is one of my beach comics. Uh, it was absolutely befuddling as a kid. A strange virus was introduced into Gotham, and the only a missing puppy has the antidotes in his system to create the vaccine. <laughs> the Joker grabs the puppy and decides to make Batman and Bo uh, Wildcat box to the death. The winner gets the puppy to save everybody. And the Joker makes them box with spiked ancient Roman boxing gloves. Dun, 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 dun. Such a great story. Oh, my gosh. Bobby, he's so tripping. Uh, we heard from Martin Gray, who does the Too Dangerous for a Girl blog, which you can find at dangermart.blogspot.com. On the summertime issue, he says, I must say, Bobby, you missed out by not being a regular Kazar reader. 
this must have been around the time of the Bruce Jones Brett Anderson series, yes, uh, which was a wonderful mix of drama and humor. The characterizations of Kevin Plunder was a surprise, and I quickly got used to it. While his relationship with Shauna the She Devil was a treat, and who doesn't love Zabu? Hopefully, the series will be on Marvel Unlimited soon. Uh, he backed us up and said he'd forgotten about the Ghosts crossover as well. He says uh, he adored Power of the Atom, and it was great to have Ray back in civilization using his shrinking powers. Extend um, rather than fanning around with a bunch of barbarians in the jungle with a loincloth over his tights. Sheesh, what's the point of having a hero who can shrink when everyone he meets is his same size? Um, I agree, but after I read a few more issues of Power of the Atom, I gave up real quick. Hmm. Um, he says, I never read a Warlord comic, Barbarians, ugh, even though I'm normally partial to loincloth. Didn't work for Ray either. I gotta say, those Warlord comics I bought, Rob, when we were together, mm-hmm. I enjoyed the hell out of those things, oh, that's man. Good. So good. Uh, yeah, Martin also mentions that it was it's his idea to repurpose the Martin, the Alan Bernard episode as a feature for back issue. So, if I do that, Martin, I will absolutely give you credit. There we go. We heard from our buddy Tim Wallace, who runs the Court Industries blog, which is dedicated to Blue Beetle, who is celebrating his 75th anniversary right now. So if you like Blue Beetle, whether it be Dan Garrett or uh, Jaime Riaz or Ted Cord or the other Dan Garrett, because believe it or not, there are two, uh, check out the Court Industries blog and uh, courtindustries.blogspot.com. Also, he's part of, oh, that's right, you guessed it, Legion of Superbloggers. Buck Rowlett. <laughs> so uh, on the Future Zen stuff um, We were talking about different things And he goes, I can't believe I didn't mention the first time around But I too enjoyed Superboy and the Ravers So much that I created Custom action figures of the team Now that I can find them I will share pics on Twitter using the hashtag FWPodcast so all the nuclear subs Can see his custom Superboy and the Ravers Action figures Hashtag oh. cry for help Oh Tim Oh Tim <laughs> Uh, regarding the uh, episode 98 with the Migos, I have loved Migos ever since I first got my cousin's hand-me-down collection, Batman Robin, Joker, Penguin, Batmobile, Superman, Spider-Man, and a really beat-up Batcopter. That's a hell of a hand-me-down collection. Jeez. And I hated one of the kids in the neighborhood for selling his Trek and Apes figures at a flea market instead of just giving them to me. I've collected them off and on in adulthood, and I've recently been drawing down my hand at some custom Blue Beetles. All that said, not some custom raver, Ravers, Migo dolls. All that said, my purchase habits always seem to be influenced by the FW podcast. See past eBay purchases of Hack and DC Challenge, Hacks and DC Challenge. So after I listened on the way to work today, I immediately logged onto my PC and started searching eBay for some Migo goodness. You guys always manage to make me spend money. It's a little bit of little messaging. Said. Wait a minute, Hex? We didn't tell him to buy Hex. No, I don't think we ever said anything about it. <laughs> So I'm not taking the fall for that one, pal. <laughs> Are you listening to these episodes backwards, Tim? <laughs> In the DC Challenge, we have said a lot of things about DC Challenge. <laughs> How you choose to interpret those, that's up to you. But uh, Jose Rivera, uh, he actually has written a book, an anthology. You can find that on uh, Amazon as well. It is called Underground Adventures, Volume 1, again by Jose Rivera. And the cover is a Batman Brave and the Bold sort of homage. So that's fun stuff. Now, he wrote us several letters, but I'm just going to pick out some certain things. Uh, for the backup strip, he suggested Steam from the Back End. No, wait. Yeah, never no, mind. we're not. Yeah, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> that he said uh, on the summer vacation one, he says, I can still remember two instances where I had similar experiences to you guys. The first was in 97 when I was 14. I'd been going to the comic shop while I was getting whatever I'd like. I could afford. Um, basically, I could go every two weeks and spend five bucks. Because at that time, I was on AOL when it was known as America Online. 
DC Comics had a site that would often tell you what comics were coming out. I saw the description for Green Lantern number 90, which would tell the readers an unknown portion of Kyle's origin. I was getting into Green Lantern at the time and went to the comic shop near my building to pick it up. I had a little extra cash and decided to look in the 50 cent bins. I remember finding Justice League America Annual number 5, the Armageddon 2001 crossover. I'd seen the ads all over my comics growing up, and now I had a chance to read it. When I got home, I closed the door to my room, turned off the TV, and sat on the floor reading these comics and loving the hell out of them, particularly the Justice League Annual that cracked me up. It, uh, it was I think this was the day I decided from then on I was a DC boy. Always loved Superman, Booster, and Beetle, and I think uh, that here I was. Uh, oh, it gives you. Um, I always loved Superman, Booster, and Beetle, but I think it was here where I was fully invested as a DC fan. Uh, he he talks about how much he loves Armageddon two thousand one, and he actually had the entire Armageddon two thousand one series with Alien Agenda and Inferno all bound into a single hardcover, and it is gorgeous. So, um, hate you for that. So jealous. So, <laughs> We got an email from David M. Gutierrez regarding episode 9. I don't know who Shag thought he was imitating, but that was not Bob Dylan. It was more Bob Hope than Bob Dylan. I honestly don't remember what Bob Dylan thing I dropped into that episode. Everybody's mentioning it. I don't remember who it is, uh, what it was. Uh, regarding Shag's imitation, one of the things that uh, all Bob Dylan fans have to endure is people's imitation of Bob Dylan at them. They always have to hear that. It's just something that just comes with the territory. So it's fine. It's nothing I haven't heard before. Should I do it again? No. Okay. Just checking. Uh, on the Discount Comics episode, he says, because I mentioned Sovereign 7. He goes, and Sovereign 7, pull up a chair because I have a story. Do you remember Kevin Dooley? He edited Green Lantern, the 90s Justice League titles. Well, I ended up working in the same startup in the late 90s and early 2000s with him. I interrogated him constantly, and one time we talked about Sovereign 7. As you know, times had changed, and the way comics were written had changed from Claremont's X-Men heyday. Claremont didn't write like he he understood that. So, in other words, he wrote like he always did. Uh, Dooley, who was the editor for Sovereign 7, would constantly ask for quicker plots and subplot movement. Claremont would say, Ah, we'll reveal that in issue 75. Julie would always have to say, Chris, we'll be lucky if we make it to 40. Well, we all know how that turned out. <laughs> I like how optimistic even 40 turned out to me. Right. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> We're from our buddy Gene Hendricks, who, brace yourself, this is going to take a moment, has a number of different endeavors on the webs. He has the Hammer Strikes, which is a great blog for all things geeky and has, gets a lot of Thor play. The Hammer Podcast, which is over on the Two True Freaks Network. Which is uh, it talks about all kinds of interest, and it's got the Star Trek animated series theme. I love it. Uh, he does the Quantum Cast, which is also on Two True Freaks, which is all about Quasar. Then he's got the Quantum Bands, which is a, a blog, which is the QuantumBands.blogspot.com. Again, the home base for Quasar support because somebody had to do it. Uh, then there's the Hamster Strikes, and this is a site where he posts. Uh, animals dressed up in cosplay, and it's all because Rob mispronounced his blog that he started this one. Some might say he did it on purpose. Yeah, I guess so. He says, as for backup coverage, I'm really enjoying it. Again, it's the stuff I've never read since I got into DC Comics much later than Marvel. So it's great to hear about these stories. I'm definitely looking forward to more of these. For the future name, how about Backup Flashback? Kind of corny, but that's what popped into my head, which probably says more about my mental promises than I want to reveal. And he goes on again to point out that the hamster strikes is all Rob's fault. Um, 
He talks about summer vacation stuff. He goes, Rob, it's funny you mentioned the Hulk magazine where the Incredible Hulk squares off against Namor uh, with that beautiful Starling cover. Since you mentioned that Rampaging Hulk Essential is one of your in-stock trade picks a few episodes back, I've been trying to track down all the issues in the magazine. And I actually just added that issue to my collection. Uh, he waxes on about the 1994 Elseworlds annuals, about how great they were. I appreciated that. brought back a lot of memories. Then uh, he talks about um, his love for the Swamp Thing uh, intro that we played. Swamp Thing. Bum, bum, dun. So anyway, he loved that. So, all right. Who didn't love that? I mean, really. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, he mentions in episode 92, the discounted uh, comics episode, when are we just going to have a segment or monthly show of Fire and Water devoted to Volume 1 of the Justice League of America? It's obvious that Rob has an incredible knowledge and passion for the JLA, and the books feature Aquaman and Firestorm during lengthy runs. Why not cover that classic series? I think we'd all love to hear the monthly tales of the JLA. With most of the story series, maybe all, having been reprinted in some form or another, it would be easy for all of us to follow along. Well, not a bad idea. I feel like it's already kind of been covered a bit. I mean, I did a whole blog on the Justice League JLA satellite.blogspot.com, which is still around if you want to read it. But I will say, if you want to hear Shag and I talk about a specific issue of Justice League, you don't have to wait too much longer after this episode. Ooh! Nice plug, sir. Thank you. I didn't know where you were going with that. I didn't see. I really didn't see that coming. Um, Bob Haney Showcase, he goes on to say, These stories sound so much fun. Man, I really need to get around to picking up more Showcase vibes and tracking down both of these. Uh, one of the local comic shops has some of the old Teen Titans and Brave and Bold issues that are not bad prices. Uh, he even hooked Russell Burbage up with some issues he was missing. See, now that's what this is about. This, this community is amazing, guys. He went and got comic books for little Russell Burbage from Rimbor. Kyle Benning. Um, by the way, when you said when you brought up Kyle Benning, did you mention? Did you even say this is Kyle Benning, or did you? Just oh, I don't going? think I think I skipped that. I'm sorry, sorry, Kyle. <laughs> this has been Kyle Benning for a little while now, by the way. Uh, he, about oh, that's my fault about the Hulk magazine. Sorry, yeah. Kyle Benning uh, wrote for the Outhousers comic news website and also uh, Legion of the Super Bloggers. Hmm. Damn Yankees! Look at that, Charles Wilburys coming at you. So, and then uh, let's see. He's one of our more, our more prolific commenters, so we appreciate that. Next up is Diabolo Frank. Now, oh, okay. now hold on a minute. I, I get, well, I'll tell you where you can find him. Uh, you can find him getting his ass kicked in a minute here. Uh, you can find him at the Idle Head of Diabolo, which is his Martian Manhunter blog over idle-head.blogspot.com. You can also find him at Diana Prince, the new Wonder Woman, which is uh, new-wonder-woman. Dot blogspot.com and Nerg, which is uh, used to be a soft core porn, porn site, but now he does, does other stuff. Well, now it's hardcore porn. Nerg blogspot.com. And I mentioned he had a podcast not too long ago on our show. I was trying to be inclusive and mention it. And I tried to say at the same time, I think that's the same episode where I did a call for people to tell us what to pimp. So he got all bent out of joint because I didn't tell people what the, where to find the podcast. Well, I'm sorry. The whole point was for you to write in and promote where to find your stuff. Anyway, uh, yes, you can find him on the wonderful Marvel Superheroes podcast. And that's at marvelshp.blogspot.com. Write that down because they're not on iTunes yet. So it's marvelshp.blogspot.com. Definitely check that out. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, He mentions uh, among the many, many things that he wrote – 
You guys vex me sometimes. I understand why Shag would sort of synchronize the Fury of Firestorm numerically with the new 52 Aquaman. But why start covering the backups before the original series? Then, Rob starts doing the Aquaman backups, of which there are decades worth, and chooses as his jumping on point a continuity-heavy story that wraps up elements from a previous omnibus title. Plus, it's an awful yarn following Shag's negative reaction to Future's End. Is Dan Didio editing this podcast? <laughs> It was a very downbeat episode. I think it was, yeah. Maybe next time we do a backup thing, I'll cover some like Ramona Fraden adventure stories from the 50s, because those are just pure joy. There you go. Um, on the summertime one, he says, uh, I met my step-cousins around 1983 or 1984. I borrowed that Marvel team-up treasury edition that Rob mentioned. I didn't see them again until 1986, by which point the book had been... De- Beaten all to hell, so I never brought it up. I still have it, or at least pages 5 through 76. It's very specific. Um, It wasn't one of my favorites, but the reveal of the orb's true face was one of the greatest shocks of my childhood reading experience. That's fantastic. Awesome. Uh, He mentions, uh, what am I, I lost my case. Oh, here it is, episode 91, Aquaman number 31, the review episode. I'm happy to hear Rob's considering downloading Sensation Comics. I still haven't made the switch to digital comics, but I'll be picking up the print version of the digital first series starting in August. Obviously, I love Wonder Woman, and since DC Comics hasn't published a book featuring that character since 2011, I look forward to her return. Diana never got much anthology love aside from a few Legends of the DC Universe arcs. It would be great if more creators figured out the character through the process of writing a short story, and hopefully they won't have to try and write a Wonder Woman story based on what they think they're supposed to do. The character has a great deal of elasticity, more so than contemporaries like Superman and Captain America, so as long as the writer can find her core. Yes, I did start picking up Sensation Comics. I read the first two issues. I wasn't thrilled with the first two, just because... Uh, the story was kind of like Wonder Woman walking around just talking about how great she is. I'm Wonder Woman. I'm awesome. But nevertheless, uh, the price point, 99 cents, is fantastic. And, um, you know, there's going to be more, you know, it was just these two issues and then they're going to move on to different creators and stuff. So I'm on board for Sensation Comics for as long as it lasts. (laughs) He said Wonder Woman had elasticity. (laughs) Uh, Okay, let's move on. Episode 92, Discounted Comics with Professor Allen. That's what he said. Did John Lewis ever shrink it to six inches and jump into a time pool? Did he ever avenge the murder of an Asian successor they had nothing to do with selecting because he was actually brought in as part of the plot by Kronos? Was the 2013 John Lewis comic drawn by the long-deceased Gil Kane? Whatever Mr. 13-time re-elected congressman civil rights leader John Lewis. I think this is the first person to ever take issue with a back with an in-stock trades selection that we made. Oh, and for all I know, John Lewis did all those things. You know, we haven't gotten he, he to volume have. two yet. Yeah, so you yeah. don't know, Frank. He says, at my old smallish town shops outside Houston, especially the lower rent first one, we had 20-cent bins that would be stocked with a heavily uh, surplus and otherwise undesirable. It was the mid-90s, so there was no shortage of either. Having come in with new comics were 50 cents, and altogether recognizing the value of a dollar, my favorite comics are also very cheap. He said, uh, in, the front, in the Bob Haney episode, we ran the Metamorpho theme from the old, like, what, 60s JLA album. And uh, he said, great alternate theme music. Can't wait to hear you guys discuss Metamorpho, the element mother. <laughs> <laughs> then he caught something that I, I guess I didn't think. Or maybe we did mention it. I don't remember. But in the, when we did the Bob Haney story with the Teen Titans, Roy Harper is running around killing rats in that, ep- in that episode where they're cleaning up that part of Gotham City. And it's just sort of funny considering his treatment of cats later on um, when he returns to his smack addiction. So uh, Frank pointed that out. So. 
And for the one where we recorded together, the what I called live from Devin, less than special, uh, he says, for over 100 weeks, I've turned up here to break your balls in text, but it's still super awkward to make any occasional live vocal guest appearance via the internet on a show I actively dissect with two guys I don't know for reals, actually. Uh, I can't imagine how nauseatingly surreal it would be to trans- traverse dimensions and be presented with the disembodied voice I've spoken of routinely for a couple of years in the flesh. I think I'd just sucker punch one of you and run away. Uh, Frank is also complimentary about the Alan Brennard episode and talks about the uh, sort of difference between what's going on with Alan Brennard and Gotham and uh, Bill Mantlo and Rocket Raccoon via the Guardians of the Galaxy movie. And, you know, one thing I just want to mention about the Alan Brennard thing with Gotham is it's funny how, you know, stories can sort of metastasize and, and get kind of taken out of context, because I saw a bunch of people mention that Alan Brenner, you know, said Alan Brenner calls for a boycott of the Gotham TV show. He did no such thing. He never, in in the post that he wrote that got all this attention, and on the show that when he was on, he never much mentions the word boycott. He never tells anybody, you shouldn't watch the show. He just says, he won't be watching the show, because of his personal involvement that's sort of a negative thing. And it just sort of cracked me up that, like, we live in this wonderfully, uh, you know, super highway, you know, information age where you can get virtually anything at your fingertips and yet stuff is still misquoted over time. Uh, I totally understood Alan's point of view. Um, I understood his point of view about the, uh, the Marvel movies, how he won't go see them because of their sort of lack of benefiting the Kirby family. Um, I'm not going to be watching Gotham as a sort of solidarity for Alan, but uh, I would never – Look, feel down, look down on anybody that does. Uh, it's just Alan had a particular viewpoint about that show, and again, he's never suggested no one else watch it. He's just saying he won't. So I thought that was a con- entirely reasonable point of view that he has about it. Yeah, very understandable. Yeah. yeah. Um, just to recap, here are the suggestions we've received for the backup feature. Uh, Dale Russell gave us back that up. It's got back. Baby's got back. Back it up in the back. Adam Ackerman said, full steam astern. Jose Rivera said, steam from the back end. He was joking, though. Yeah. Uh, Calum, uh, oh, you know what? Darn it. Calum gave me pronunciation, and I, I, don't, I have it the wrong place. All right, I'm going to get it right later, Calum, but I'm going to say it wrong right now. Calum Nauer votes for back that cast up. Ange said, backup files. Doug Zawizza said, backdraft and undertow or undercurrents or monitor duty. Luke Dobbs said, baby's got backups. And he said he also likes calling all backups. Derek Burke said that the backup comic showcase. And Gene Hendricks said backup flashback. Here's the quandary we're in. We like all of them, but we don't love any of them yet. Well, I don't think we have to decide yet, too. And we, we haven't done – I think we should decide by the time we do the next episode. But we haven't it's, done that yet. It's been like three months, though. <laughs> well. So here's what's on the line, though. Is we have this amazing uh, Justice League t-shirt. Right. Donated to us by Little Russell Burbage from Rimbor. And it's a, it's a replication of Justice League number, was it 217? 217. Yeah. Yep, by George Perez. Great shot of the classic satellite era Justice League coming at you. Uh, it's a size large, and we're going to give it to whoever, um, whoever, whose backup feature title we pick. So just so you know right now, we haven't decided yet. So it's still up in the air. If you've got any backup ideas, send them to us, and we will keep track of that. Yep. All right, folks, this is your moment of zen. I um, want to give thanks to all the folks who have given us either you know, likes or acknowledge us or shared us or promote us, whatever, on Facebook. Um, it's a long list. 
It's over 150 names. So, um, want to flip a coin for it? Sure, I trust you. <laughs> right, I flipped it. Guess what? <laughs> Fine, I'll do Facebook. Um, you got to do Tumblr? No, we don't. Oh, I didn't do Tumblr this time. I didn't do Tumblr or Instagram. I'm terribly sorry. I actually ran out of time, guys. I'm, this 54-page document took me two and a half days to put together. I did not get to do those two sites. But um, you do Twitter. I'll do Facebook. How's that? Fair enough. And we'll just figure out Google+. Plus. And if, and if all of you who are about to hear this don't want to hear this long list of names, go make yourself a sandwich, go see Guardians of the Galaxy, and come back, and then Jack will just be done. Well, here, here's the thing with this, though, and I, and I said it earlier in the episode, but yes, it's a long list of names, and it's just us reading their names. However, it's the only time Abel Padilla is going to get mentioned, on our, or uh, Abel Padilla is going to get mentioned on our show, I think, tonight. And you know what? They deserve that because they're a part, a, a vital part of the show as well. So uh, here we go. And pronunciations are going to be horrible. You, you can't hold that against me. All right. Set your clocks. All right. Here we go. All right. Uh, thank you to Abel Padilla, Adam Ackerman, Adam Stabelli, Ada Ahita, Adrian Johnson, Al Dominic Sitjar, Al Seduno, Alan Middleton, Albert Miranda, Alexander Adrock, Andre Calloy. Andrew Slinkard, Andy Campbell, Andy Capellish, Andy Leyland of Hey Kids Comics, Anthony Durso, Arthur Canning, Arthur Quizada, Bella Lovett, Ben and Edel Lagan Rush, Ben Herman, Bill Bailey, Bill Carroll Irwin, Boy Blues DC Universe, Brad O'Leary, Bradley Null, Butch uh, Rosenbaum, Carrie, Carrie Dorr, here it is, Calum Neuer. Neuer, yeah, Caleb Neuer. I think I got it right. Carlos Guimarez, Carlos Mucha, Carlos Rodriguez, Celia Gonzalez, Chad Argabright, Chris Franklin, Chris Hayes, Christopher J. Warden, Corey Hodgden, Cosmic Cat, Daniel Cynical Adams, David Gutierrez, DC Comics Presents Show, DC Comics The Justice League Group, Derek Mahoney, Dossel Flores Martinez, Doug Smith, MEA, Emmanuel Jesus Villanova, or Villanueva, uh, Eric Midor, Eric Rex Peterson, Falco Dalke, Fanholes Podcast, Gene Hendricks, Gene Seguine, Giancarlo Nurko, Greg Barr, Greg Monson, Harlan Freilicker, Hartley Holmberg, Hector Negrete, J. David P. Weeder, by the way, also part of the Legion of Superbloggers, Jamal Shihede, J.C. Burrow, which is also retcon, Jeffrey Brown, Jeremy Sedillo, Jeremy Gunter, Jessica Marie Gonzalez, Jimmy McGlinty, Joel Riviora, uh, John Godwin, Jorge Chavez, Jose Rivera, Juan Pablo Savalios Santa Maria, Giuliano Bittercourt, Bittencourt, Carl Brusades, Kichi Baker, Ken Armstrong, Ken Deemer, Ken Homel, Kenneth Spicer, Kevin B. McGatty, uh, Kevin Culp, Kevin Dunbar, Court Industries, Kyle Benning, also part of the Legion of Superbloggers, Lee Roy, Levent Acovalier, uh, Louis Chaz Tidrick, Lauren John Skinstress, Lucas Garrett, Luke Dobb, Mandy Nicole Roxe, Mark Andrew Scott, Marcus Ari Aranida, um, wow, Marcus Aranida, hmm, Martin Gray, Marvel vs. DC, Crossover Craziness, Mason Jones, Max Romero, Michael Bailey, Michael Cham, uh, Campin, I'm losing it, man. Camposcuro, Michael Wagner, Michelle Fief, Mike Freddick, Mike Gillis, Mike LaCroix, Mike Peacock, Mike Salt, uh, Mirage Simpson, Moyes Gammon DuPont, 
Movies, Movies, and More page. Negative Steve Mandel, Norma Dolores Loloya, Oscar Lolelelele, Pat Broderick himself, the man from the Fury of Firestorm, Paul Ross, Rowe, uh, Quentin Barclay, Radio vs. the Martians, Randy Meyer, Ricardo Gamez, Rick Weiss, Robert Gross, Robert Waite, Roberto S.K. Lau, Rock Roche, Rod Pruitt, Roger Preeb, Ronnie Ling, Roy Cleary, Russell Burbage, Ruth Sutherland, Ryan Wing, Sammy J. Maynard, Sean Corey, Sean Brock, Sean Myers, Shesta Mia, Shinobi JTB, Speed Force, Steve Greenwood, Steve Morrell, Terry Foster, The Comic King, The Hammer Strikes, Tim Wallace, Tom Panarese, Trey Berryman, Wagner Oliveira, Vincent Sarabone, Will and Jen Show Chato, Yval Mazus and Zeb Oswalt. Oof. Uh, pulled out a couple of comments here I wanted to say. Uh, please tell me you're still with me, Robert. You're a Guardians uh, guy. I love that final post-credits cameo. That's great. Okay, good. Uh, Andy Capella, she called me out and says, you don't like Gnort? Um, I sort of like Gnort. I don't a little bit went be- a long way. Yeah. Bradley Null says, just before this lunch stop, I got to Fire and Water Podcast number 84. As proof that I listened to nearly 90 episodes, I found my hand touching my temple as the Aquaman sound effect happened during the opening theme. (laughs) This is not the first time it's happened either. John Godwin said, just finished listening to the Fire and Water Podcast, and why do you keep calling them amalgamum? They're amalgam. The word means a mixture or a blend. Yes, John. Welcome to my mispronunciation and this podcast. Uh, Aaron Moss on the Mego episode. He uh, is a great episode. Rob did a great job, even without Shy there to hold his hand. By the way, you can check out Aaron Moss on his new podcast. Uh, he has two. One is called um, The Headcast, and the other is Tax- Task Force X, dedicated to Suicide Squad. You can find both of those at headspeaks.com. Michael Bailey wrote, uh, Shag Matthews, Rob Kelly, and uh, Alan Middleton talk about quarter bin comics in the latest Fire and Water podcast. Two steals out of the cheapy bins that I managed to snag were an entire run of Airboy from Eclipse Comics and a huge run of Mike Grell's Green Arrows out of the 50-cent quarter bins. Nice deal, man. Professor Allen says, between the time recorded and this aired, I visited half-price books that I mentioned, and they had Deathmate. No, I did not pick it out. Pick it up. That's just no way to spend a hard-earned 25 cents. Daniel Cynical Adams, the man responsible for our end theme and also the themes on Who's Who, said, uh, someone had commented on how much you like the song. He says, we're thrilled you like the song. Be sure to check out our full Bad Mamma Jamas EP on iTunes, Google Play, Amazon MP3, Spotify, Beats Music, etc. You can also keep up with our musical antics at www.facebook.com slash badmammajamas. It's for a collection um, of more serious matter than our Fire and Water tracks, but a superhero theme compilation is in the works. Again, thanks for the kind words. Heard from Andy Leyland. He said, as Shag Matthews points out on the Fire and Water podcast, everybody loves cheap swag. Here's my cheap stuff from today's comic mark pass uh, from the classic Star Wars run that was a recent eBay steal. Speaking of that, I'm now looking for classic Star Wars number 16. So if anybody spies a copy, let him know. Roy Cleary asked when we covered Fury of Fashion number 13... He said about the cover, did I make Rob aware that the logo changed on the Fury of Firestorm cover number 13 of that issue? It's where the logo used to be like a wavy logo and right. changed it to a straight yeah. logo. Yeah. I failed to uh, bring that up on the podcast, and Roy chewed me a new asshole for that. So Ooh. thank you, Roy. Uh, Dave Gutierrez said the Power Records Batman must be the same one from Earth Haney. <laughs> yeah, I think it's absolutely where that Batman comes from. Harlan Freilicher says, well, in fact, if Bob Haney and Roy Thomas had ever touched, the energy unleashed from the collision of matter and antimatter would have destroyed half the solar system. <laughs> uh, Oscar Day said, focus on Ackman. Sorry. 
can't say it. Focus on our man. Thank you, baby Jesus. Uh, and then uh, some guy named Rob Kelly posted a quote from Views from the Lawn Box. He wrote, Shag is the nice guy on the Firewater podcast. He went, went um, what? <laughs> Hashtag Bizarro World, Valor, and Podcast War. And then the thread went absolutely batshit crazy. Uh, over on Facebook. I mean, I can't. I was gone for like a couple of days and came back, and I'm like, "What the hell?" There's like 50 messages, all on this, you know, bashing of Shag, which started that way and then became about Canadian biscuits or something. What? Yeah, it's a, just well, I, I, yeah, it completely went on a life of its own. Yep. All right. You know what? I need a breath. You're doing Google Plus and Twitter. I put this wow, damn thing together. Okay, I put this right. damn thing together. Okay. All right. Google Plus, Alexander Osias, Andre Edwards, Black Canary Fan, Count Dracula, Blue Tyson, Brian Marino, Brian Miller, Bubblegum Punk, Calvin Campbell, Carlos Alamillo, Cody Allen, Comic Book and Movie Reviews, Crusaders Media, Dale Russell, Darren Sutherland, Diana O.T., Emmanuel Rivera, Eric DeFreitas, Evan Ben, Gene Hendricks, Jeff Nelson, Glenn Foster, Hector Negretta, Jason Campbell, Jeffrey Brown, Johnny Johnson, Juan Manuel Pedon. Carl Brusades, Keith G. Baker, Kevin Culp, La Cueva Del Nerd, Leon Long, Luke Dobb, Luke Jacaneri, Mario Zuniga, Martin Gray, Martin Scorer, Mary Ellen Motande, Max Romero, Michael Wagner, Mike Gillis, Need Coffee, Patrick Moe, Paul Bowler, Peyton McMullen Jr., Peter Ruiz, Pete Ruiz, Mario vs. the Martians, Rasheen Washington, Robert Finley, Rory Williams, Russ Cross, Saberblade, Sam Dukes, Stephen Shend, The Crimson Scarf, The Gentleman Scholar, The Hammer Strikes, Tim Wallace, Tom Tyson, Vance Highstand, Vasu Jagannath, Jaganth, I think. I think he took on Dr. Fate. Um, I'm not the one to ask. Dale Russell sent in a comment. He says, I like Joel's stories about your dad. My dad took me to see the Star Wars movies three to six on opening day. I took my father to movies one through three. Oof. Seven will be the, my, the first Star Wars without my dad, but I will be taking my son, big Star Wars fan, and keeping the tradition alive. That's a great, that's a great thing to do, Dale. Um, I am going to make sure that I take my dad to see Star Wars Episode Seven when it comes out because he took me to the first three, and uh, those were, you know, those are like some of the great moments of my childhood. So that that's really cool. Um, we got also- that's a that's a that's a great idea. I took my dad to the Star Trek reboot, so I hadn't thought about taking him to the Star Wars remake. Yeah. That's a great yeah. idea. Uh, we got comments also from Alexander Osias and Jason Campbell, and then Twitter. We got uh, we got retweets and comments from Jeff Parker, writer of Aquaman, Jerry Woo. Conway, who's that guy? Writer of everything, and then, <laughs> everything uh, we love, everything we love, and then we got comments from Alblaza Grant, all fifty two G, Alan Middleton, Alexander Adrock, all new sucks, all all American comics, the Eric in there, Ange Aquaman talk. Argfin23, Army of Skanks, Althora and Bethany, Bahaga, Big Steve, Bill Bailey, Bill Bear, Bob Nash, Bradley J. Tim, Buck Rowlett, Buck Rowlett, Kellum Nauer, <laughs> Cape and Cowell, Charles Bernard, Chris Rektizki, Rec- Christine Jackson, Chuck Roulette, Claudio Novelli, Collect Them All, Conway, Cal L, Corey Hodgson, Corey Streeter, Count Dracula, Craig was here, Dan Dante, Dave Hearn, David Donovan, David Golding, Artist, David Gutierrez, David McNeil, David Morgan, DCU Movie Page, W. Frank, Django, Dr. 13 is the Beast, Dustin Stauffer, Al Perrin, Edward Woodward, El Chupacabras, Eric Seen, Eric Shea, Flodo Span, Francisco Yahiko, Gabriel M. Gabriel M. Cox, Generic Girl Series, Geraldo A.M. Neto, Glenn Walker, Helena Wayne, Hell is Empty, 
Hicks v. Hicks, Hope Mullinex, Alcyon Stevens, Jay Bamberhill, Jay David Weeder, James Guerton, John Ara, Jeremiah Parker, Jim Finity, Jimmy McGlinchey, Joe Slab, Joey Garza, Johnny DC, Hoi Zaliz Mejitu, Joseph Harley, Justin Cristelli, Carl Bolter, Ken Goodman, Ken Hommel, Alex B. Keaton, Lunchbox, Cord Industries, a.k.a. Tim Wallace, Lauren Skinkiss Art, Loretta Shrub, Louise Lincoln, Lucien Desar, Luke Dobb, Marius Joni, Mark 20067, Mark Parkinson, Martin Gray, Marvel Girl, Maurice S. Kane Jr., Max Romero, Migo Hunters, Migo Museum, Michael J. King, Michael Lee Carter, Michael Wagner, Michael Whitehead, Michelle Fief, Miguel Angel Pons, Mike Meese, Mike Laval, Mike Meltzer, Mike Schmidt, Mr. Oddly, Mythmaking ETC, Noble Thingval, Paul Bowler, P.D. Thorne, Peaches, Pete Petrusky, Phil Crane, Pito Estacio, PlaidStallings.com, Poe Paz, R. Fett, R. Rod Pruitt, Rolled Spine Podcast, Roy Cleary, Ryan C., Sol Marquez, Scott McEwen, Ziscoid, Stab Fisticuffs, Stephen Derrick, The Dapper Zombie, The Flash Podcast, The Oozman, The Prince of Hope, Thomas Zoller, Tom Rodger, Todd's Art Attack, Tony D, Tony Snark, Richter R. Solis, Vishnu Ganon, Warwick Gazard, Wednesday Comics, Weekly Longbox, and welcome to Level 7. You survived. I well did. done, sir. Well done. Thank you. Uh, if you want to see that picture of the Superboy and the Ravers custom figures, that's where uh, Court Industries' Tim Wallace posted. It's out there on Twitter. Uh, search hashtag uh, F. W podcast. You know, we didn't mention that. By the way, if you're going to be chatting on the social medias, please use the hashtag poundfwpodcast. Believe me, after spending two and a half days pulling this together, it makes it a hell of a lot easier to find your comments. So, please consider that. Word from our buddy Tom Zoller. I had made a, a comment about how I was still waiting for issue number four of Quest Probe, and I was sure it was going to come out any day now from the 1980s, and he actually responded letting me know that Quest Probe number four was in fact printed in Marvel Fanfare number 33. I had no idea. So uh, I asked him about the, the following issues, issue 5 through 12. He said, probably in Sandman's library of unfinished books, apparently, uh, with the uh, Apple version of the Fantastic Four game, too. Heard from Charles Barnard. He said that uh, he just listened to the podcast, and he agrees that the Janus Directive was really good. Very underrated. Heard from James Gerritton. He said, episode 96, oh, my God. In search, <laughs> the fact that Rob put the in search of theme music, he goes, that's why Rob rocks. You're going to have to explain that now. Okay, yeah, I was, okay, for that episode, which was the uh, Whatever Happened To episode, the stinger was the theme from In Search Of, starring Leonard Nimoy, which was that sort of, like, unexplained mystery show from the 70s and 80s. And, like, the the Whatever Happened To feature just, to me, always had that same feeling of, like, exploring the dark corners of the world. And I grew up on that show, that Leonard Nimoy show, and it just, to me, they just paired up. And I didn't think anybody else would get the connection, but a lot of people seem to. Chris Franklin mentioned it, too, so I was really happy that people did understand it the way I sort of understood it to be. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. There we go. Um, let's see. Then uh, Alexander Androck, he said, uh, as we were doing the Bob Haney episode, he says, uh, Firestorm fan and Aquaman tribe described the single greatest comic I have ever heard of. Must find this. And we got this hashtag of Zany Haney. Really, we got it off the ground, which is great. And uh, let, Welcome to Level 7 thanked us. They said, thank you for telling me about in-stock trades. This is my birthday is looking great thanks to that order. Now, we got mentioned on a few other people's uh, websites. We really appreciate that. Mike Peacock uh, wrote an article about uh, wrote a blog post about us on Metal Mikey's 100. You can find that at MetalMikey100page.blogspot.com. 
Then over at the Gar podcast, they uh, gave us a shout out on episode 65. That's done by my friend Glenn Walker. There you go. Uh, didn't he used to go by Mansura? That, yeah, uh, he's also known as Mansura. Yeah. Okay. Glenn and I spent time together working at the a movie, a, a movie rental store. Oh, I thought you were going to say in prison. Okay. Uh, same thing. Then, <laughs> the same thing. <coughs> then the uh, DC Comics Presents show, uh, they, oddly enough, were promoting us the same time we were promoting them. Uh, coincidentally, when we did our DC Comics Presents uh, episode. And then we heard, um, so you can find that at dccpshow.com. And then Head Speaks, which again is the uh, headcast of the Task Force X podcast by Aaron Moss. He gave us some really nice shout outs on his podcast. Really appreciate that. So, And there we go, Rob. We're down to the end. We're down to the Steam Awards. This is it. Uh, folks, if you're not familiar with the Steam Award, what this is is for someone who has gone above and beyond the Call of Duty in either promoting Aquaman or Firestorm or the blogs or the podcast or just have done something really awesome uh, that we choose to give an award for. And uh, it's a coveted award. Um, there's been a handful of them out there. Some people have even won multiple uh, multiple ones. I think this is a, a second or third for this individual. And um, it, is, it is something that people cherish. They keep it with them, close to them, and it is as tangible as steam itself because you, know, you get steam from the mixture of fire and water. So, Rob, you want to tell them who the first winner is? First, first winner is Ryan Daly. Woo! Count Druncula. Yes, Count Druncula for his Fire and Water Playdate series of Fumetti comics, which you can find at ryandalycomics.tumblr.com. They are truly insane. And he did this huge one, like a, oh gosh, I don't have the page count. Wasn't it like 23 pages or something? It went on a while. He did a massive story called The Element Club. And you know what? I think we'll repost it for this episode um, on the Tumblr as well. It is friggin' wonderful. It's hilarious. It's all about Aquaman and Firestorm trying to find additional people for the podcast. And uh, he, he really captured the spirit of the show and Rob and I's interaction. So, well done, sir. I mean, this, this you, you could almost win multiple Steam Awards just for that project. That, that had to be maddening, so doing that. And finally, um, this is a very special Steam Award. There is a second Steam Award to give away this time. Um, when I saw this piece of artwork, I knew immediately that this person was gonna get, had to get a Steam Award. It is a hand-drawn sign. Uh, it's absolutely gorgeous. In, in large block letters, it says the Fire and Water Podcast. It is signed by my eight-year-old daughter <laughs> who drew this as a surprise for me. Uh, she, she pulled her mom aside and asked her how to spell some of the words. She signed it the Precocious Princess. That's my girl. So, yes, Ryan Daly spent six months of his life putting together an amazing series of action figure poses in Photoshop. And my daughter spent 30 minutes drawing this sign, and they're both getting Steam Awards, and that is because nepotism sucks. Yay! So, um, face it, folks. That's the way the real world works. Anyway, thank you for listening to the Fire and Water Podcast. This has really been all about you guys. 99 episodes in. Truthfully, the network has a lot more episodes than 99 or 100. We're up in the 120s by this point, at least, if not the 130s. And um, it's all down to you guys, man. Yeah, it's such a great community of folks that we're. That I love chatting with you guys, having so much fun. Um, it's really, really been a blast, and I'm really honored to be part of this collection of comic book idiots and having fun with it. And thank you, I, I mean that uh, from the bottom of my heart. Do we want to mention what episode 100 is as a as a reward for everyone who stuck through this two hour episode? <laughs> 
<laughs> yes, we do. We've been teasing it for months. So, uh, Rob, what are you telling? Well, yeah, episode 100, which will, which will be following one week after this one, uh, we'll be focusing on my single favorite comic book of all time, Justice League of America, number 200. Uh, we are devoting the whole episode to this amazing, amazing superhero comic. And it features, of course, Shag and I, but also guest appearances by Diablo Frank, Doug Zawisa, J. David Weeder, Chris and Cindy Franklin, Chad Bokelman, Siskoid, Ryan Daly, Mike Bailey, Luke Giaconetti, and a little guy named Jerry Conway. Woo! And we didn't even go for the, the typical joke of, like, the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders and no, all that. No, no, I didn't want to stick in any joke. This it, is, is, uh, it is the definition of star-studded. Yes, literally is, months in the making. It is truly a celebration of the last 100 issues of this show. Because, I mean... Uh, episode, sorry, that's right. Uh, a lot of familiar voices, a lot of folks that have played integral roles in the in the evolution of this podcast. Some voices you haven't heard in a while. One or two new voices, but uh, all in all, it's it's it, it was I was honored to be part of. It, it was a blast, absolute yep. blast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's so. next week. And uh, this is Rob's brainchild. I mean, this this is his baby from start to finish. So Rob, you deserve a huge hats off for the job. Well, let's done. wait till we. <laughs> Well, if it sucks, just remember it's Rob's there you brainchild. Go. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> no, it's it's really good. So it's, yeah. I, I can't wait for you guys to hear it. Yeah. And thank you for hanging around this long. We're we're, we're I think past the two hour mark at this point. Yeah. And you guys are super troopers for sticking through. And you know what? I'll tell you what, if you made it this long, go ahead and give yourself a steam award. <laughs> uh, if you want to email us, although I think you already know, judging by this episode, uh, it's uh, firewaterpodcast.comcast.net. Of course, the on Twitter, you can use the hashtag FWPodcast, and on the Tumblr, which is fireandwaterpodcast.tumblr.com. Yep, and you can find Rob over at aquamanshrine.net. You can also find him on Facebook, Twitter, and Google Plus under the same handle. You can find me at firestormfan.com, also under uh, Twitter, Facebook, Google Plus, Tumblr, and Instagram under, under there. And don't forget, tomorrow... Swing on over to legionofsuperbloggers.blogspot.com. You can also find them on Facebook under the same. You can find them on Twitter. Um, I think our actual hash, our actual town thing is uh, Legion Blog. And uh, also on um, forget, Facebook, Google Plus, and Twitter. So there we go. There go. Until next time, folks, fan the flame and ride the wave. Yeah. Buck Rowlett.